Oh gosh, we are live. Yeah, we are live. Welcome to the telling. Geeky Gamer podcast. This week, uh, I have got a lot of noises going on in my head because I don't know why. All right, that needs to stop. Uh, I'm Ken Howell, and I'm here with uh, Bill Bunkum, and we do this uh, podcast every Thursday. At 7 yeah. p.m. Eastern t- Time ish. Zone. Seven-ish. Yeah. It's exactly 7 o'clock right now. Yep. I'm going to put my hands together, I think, and, and give and give a little uh, prayer like we do at the beginning of every episode that we've ever done uh, and, and, and do our praise to the, to, to the, the one true... Uh, <laughs> the one... The one true uh, god of uh, I don't I, I'm not really sure I'm I'm not great at this this is a new uh, exper- experience experience uh, yeah way. so what a way to bless us bless us oh oh thou in which we are are standing <laughs> uh, anyway uh, this is the geeky gamer podcast I would like to thank uh, I would like to thank our guest tonight. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Lawrence for being here. Super cool. We uh we uh do this every week and I would like to thank our uh, Patreon uh people. So please join the Patreon, patreon.com slash dreadlore. Thank you, Tim Roberts, Daniel Hulker, nostalgic, and Natalia Klein. Natalia. Uh Couchfire Media for some reason decided they would do some weird shit to our yeah, opening sequence uh really so they did they that did. i don't know why they did that but they did it uh and we got terrible t- productions whoever they are uh bringing in the noise <clears throat> pretty the much cloud much. everything <laughs> the, the the real real because that's right. that's uh that's it uh yeah so we're here we're live we started that's it we are live there's pod there's match. No more. Pod that match. Just feel very confident about being live right now. <laughs> very confident. Yeah. Uh, I wrote. I wrote. Uh, I wrote this little ditty to introduce uh, Shannon, uh, based off of um, what what she's about. So, entered the shadowed realms of terror and imagination, where Shannon Lawrence, author, thrives. Her laptop top leaks 
icker of horror and fantasy macabre uh, tales steeped in dread and wonder have ensnarled readers in over 30 anthologies and magazines, including the upcoming book, Myth Stalker, Wendigo Nights. I think that's the first time I've actually ever said that. And and soon to be horror breakout. Uh, this this is gonna scare the the shit out of you. Uh, business the business of short stories writing, submitting, publishing, oh, and marketing. <laughs> <laughs> when not lost in the fevered uh, dance of the equal. Uh, <laughs> The creation or and or day, day job, uh, Shannon journeys through the nightmarish, untamed lands of podcasting uh, with her podcast, Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. Uh, blurs the beautiful with the deadly, treacherous, and jagged insights of Audio Peaks, Whispering, Arcane Secrets. Uh, I caught their last episode or one of their last episodes. It was about cults. It was creepy. Yeah, and, cool. uh, very much enjoyed it. You can find out more information uh, about her and her books because there's like apparently a ton of them at the WarriorMuse.com. WarriorMuse.com. Yeah, I'm gonna have you come with me and just introduce me different places. <clears throat> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, good. Ken, Ken was like, "Hey, so so I wrote, I wrote a an intro for her. Uh, you want to read it real quick?" And I read it and I was like, "God damn." Goddamn, dude! That is an intro. That is an introduction. Yes, well done. Yeah. Uh, so like we can need to step up our, uh, you know, our introduction game. game. Yeah. Uh, Ken, let's let's introduce ourselves really quick. Who are you? Uh, my name is Ken Howell. Even though you probably won't find me on the internet no. on that name, uh, I'm a journalist and a filmmaker and uh, a role playing gamer. <clears throat> And a geeky gamer podcaster, and a writer, and a director, and a nonsense maker, and build. It's your turn. Yeah, I'm a big nobody. Hey, Shannon, <laughs> who are you? We've had your introduction, but uh, we want it from your your perspective too. Yeah, by by I'd say by day, I'm a number cruncher, and then by night, <laughs> I crunch everything else. But Honestly, I'm all over the place sometimes in terms of time. I go to bed at like 6 a.m., so that really doesn't apply, but nice. <laughs> there is yes. no that is right. But, that's right. I was uh, a, I wrote a lot of short stories. That's why there's so many books out there and was having those in, in magazines and anthologies and all that good stuff, all mostly horror. But I've hit a few. I've done comedy. I've done mystery. I've done... A little a little bit of sci-fi but it was sci-fi comedy mm. all that good stuff i enjoy it all i like to get my fingers into everything i guess and so thus i also started a podcast on top of everything else because who needs time i don't, I don't <laughs> need time <laughs> so started out with yeah, a co-host during covid so po podcasting is extra oh it is extra, i have a friend who does the functional nerds podcast yeah, he was a Hugo winner on a previous mm. podcast he was on, and his his advice was don't. <laughs> when I said, "Hey, we're thinking about starting this podcast," and he said, "Don't, don't do it," uh, and yet it, I did. Do you want to throw down the name to name drop? Uh, functional oh, nerds. Is that Which is functional nerds? 
Yeah, functional right. nerds is yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, Patrick Hester. Hester, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Praise <clears throat> me. Oh, I, I pulled it up for Sharon. You just you name dropped and we got it on there. Right. You're on it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't That's good. Go. So I've been on that one a couple times. So, Thank but you. yeah, he was like, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of everything. And he was right, right? Uh, yeah. Um, do you say that you started your podcast over COVID? Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boredom. So, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, before that, I was working for a local writers group, and I was putting on live events with my co-host. And mm. suddenly, we weren't we weren't putting on live events. I had to get a crash course in Zoom real fast and figure yeah. out how to get us online and do all that. So that was an interesting learning experience. And I had started listening to my favorite murder a podcast it's a true crime podcast solely yeah and i was sitting there and i said we could do this we were so mm-hmm. used to hamming off each other you know when you're on stage there's no editing so we were used right. to that but there is a learning curve switching to podcasting even if you've performed live so there's a lot of things because you you when you're on stage you do fillers mm. And, but when you're editing a podcast, if there's an error or something or you need a pause, you don't want fillers. You want that nice flat line to find and edit out. It's a little bit right. like that. What is yeah, editing? Yeah, we just were bored and we were going through withdrawal <laughs> from human beings. Sorry. What is editing? Yeah. What is editing? Um, <laughs> so so uh, what, I, I caught your last episode. Uh, how, much, how much effort uh, do you put into the podcast? How much do you... Like it was on cults. So do you just kind of spontaneously come up with this information to talk about, or do you kind of do research ahead of time? Because I think we're, we're really fly by the seat of our pants right here. No, we no, do we some research. Of, tons but, of research. Uh, but what do you, what do you do? Cause I was, I was getting into this. I don't know why cults are fascinating. Do you think cults are scarier than monsters? think anything human is scarier than monsters except for human monsters so yeah absolutely because it's just cults are fascinating serial killers are fascinating those are two Mm. of my big interests in it from a psychology standpoint because that's something i'm interested in too so it just broken human brains really and and do you have a favorite cult A favorite cult. I wouldn't say favorite. I I did cover at Jonestown at one yeah. time. That was a big one. And I actually listened Pretty to glorious. the, I think they call it the death tape, but I listened to the recording oh, of him when he was live at the end, Jim Jones, because I felt like, I don't know, I wanted to experience that and listen. It's, I mean, it's pretty horrifying. People are dying while this guy's just babbling. And yeah, I did research that and present on that because it's disturbing and because i like hitting things that are that are sayings so i did one on the actual killing that inspired people to say going postal for example i did Mm. the one about my dingo ate my baby for example which aussies do not like it when you joke about that no so of course why did it what jim jones was about drinking the kool-aid which wasn't even kool-aid it was flavor aid (laughs) but 
uh, it was no longer funny after I listened to that recording. I will tell you that and, and did yeah. the research. But yeah, we do research. We each research our own piece. We don't discuss what we're doing ahead of time. So we don't have themed episodes. And the guest is free to talk about whatever they want. We always ask if you've got a story that's close to you for some reason, something you experienced personally, that's an even better story. Because that's how we started. That was one of my first episodes was a personal story that came from a crime so. and and did you um did you solve the crime or i mean are, are you like a, a detective or are you're just yeah. interesting and in retelling the story of of the crime uh it sounds like it was personal i mean anytime a crime is personal it's very um it it does add a la layer of intensity that um what was the crime if you don't mind yeah, so I was in the car with my mom when a serial killer came after her. His MO was to run a woman off the road. And, and of course, be like, oh, darn, go up to exchange information or insurance information, or I can call somebody or something like that. But that is not that was not his intention. And I was very little. I was only about three, so I don't have a personal memory. But I grew up knowing this guy who is in Oregon State Penitentiary. It is a solved crime he killed uh he was convicted of three murders there were probably more were, were you on the news back then i don't think so i don't because think so. that that story is familiar i wonder if really? i i'm sorry to interrupt you but like like straight up you were saying it and i was like holy shit i think i've heard this there's i don't think that hitting a woman's car to get her off the road is terribly uncommon there was I mean, I do it, but yeah, yeah. Spring. That's how I meet women. Right. <laughs> That's right. It's true. You He's know, got a very know. large vehicle. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So what? what no, what no. I mean, that was the, the, the my mom managed to evade him because they were out in a rural area that she knew and hmm. he didn't. He'd follow uh, her from bigger city, Salem, in Oregon, and she enough ahead of him at one point that she was able to get off the road into somebody's driveway and hide and shut down her car. So that wow. is how she evaded him. And uh, his, I think his next murder was of a pizza delivery girl. Wow. Not the one he was aiming for, by the way, but one just, just happened to be working that night when they asked for the other one. That was the uh, intentional kill. But she had known his little, his older sister, sorry, when they were kids and he'd spotted oh, her leaving work and that's how all of that started wow so. what a piece of shit I mean, oh yeah like he was number but yeah i mean awful yeah or or you could just go to a trump rally or something oh god meet the same guy <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> uh no politics we don't talk politics on the show Ken um, you know that's what we loves... say on our podcast too but it leaks doesn't it it leaks <laughs> loves it Oh, he loves just kidding, golly. So, gotta go protest in Charlottesville. It's terrible. What's the what personal crime we got down? Awesome. Uh, I've got a few I, questions. I actually, but, but... I met, yeah, um, I, I met um, the closest I, to a serial killer I was uh, was to Jeffrey Dahmer. And I hmm. met and, and interviewed the police officer, the arresting police officer. And that guy was a trip. Um, Bummer, the officer. The officer. 
the guy, the, the guy that arrested uh, and stood by the door. I mean, I, I don't know if you've uh, spent any time following up on Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I, I watched the show. It was pretty good. Um, I mean, terrible. It was all terrible, but it was fascinating. And, and the way that the police officer, I can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head, but the way he tells the story, it was just uh, an intensely wild night. I whatever dysfunction goes into the action of someone who is who does that sort of thing uh it's it's really incredible um like or, or there was a show mind hunter or something like that that was really interesting or it was like early days fbi or cia i'm i'm really bad at recalling things but like what makes a serial killer do what they do uh, is certainly uh, terrifying. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, to it say is. the least. So, Mindhunter is by John Douglas, and I know that because I got into those books by him when I got into serial killers as a teenager, which sprung from the whole we we were in a car when what. <laughs> you know, so obviously as a teenager, that's really when people get into it anyway. But I kind of had that double reason, but. It might interest you that on our episode that will be airing on March 15th, our guest was Pete Klismet, and he's a retired FBI profiler. So John Douglas is with the FBI, and he was taught by John Douglas. He went through the first class of that that they created to train profilers in that. So it was an interesting conversation. He went over uh, his first murder that he solved once Ooh. he took that on. And did you say, have you solved any uh, murders? Oh, I haven't solved like... anything. No. <laughs> I will but, say but... I'm not, I'm neither a crime solver nor a journalist. So I, do, I okay. make it very clear on that podcast. I am not a journalist. I'm doing research on it, but I'm not interviewing, say, sure. anybody, sure. save a guest that we might have on. But but it's, it's, it's fascinating and compelling um, to tell a story. Um, I was going to... I have a tendency to railroad Bill sometimes, so I was going to say something, but I will, I will, I will. No, 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 please do. I'm I, eating I, Jonah. I feel like Go we can, it. we can, we can, uh, we can trans, uh, transition a little bit into setting, set and setting, and we kind of the the discuss this a little bit, but uh, so humans, scariest monster, scarier than like fiction, like reality is scarier than fiction. Um, uh so what what do you think that makes that set and setting that reality more scary to, to, or if you, if you could maybe pick out um what maybe even what creates a scary monster human or not to you is that to me or to bill uh to you I speak over over Bill all the time. Like, what what is what is what right? Where where do you find your monsters? I mean, you've written a number of books. I presume are they? And I haven't read any of them, so I've I've not gotten too deep in and what what they are. But I I would like to know, like, are there monsters in your books? And if so, like what what makes them scary? <laughs> I have a mix. <laughs> I have a mix. 
it, I do have human monsters. It, it that tends to be more psychological horror, uh-huh. of course. And I think really what that plays up is, for example, an early story I wrote that I had published was Know Thy Neighbor. And mm. it was inspired by, I go, I, well, I used to go on many more, but I'm a late night walker. I go out in the middle of the night. I don't have a consistent mm. time, so nobody stalking me can use that against me. But... <laughs> right, right. I only go out during the day. I am never out at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I don't, I don't want to run into people. So there we go. But I had, there's always things that'll happen in the middle of the night and walking around. I live in Colorado Springs, so there's nothing flat here. (laughs) There's no such thing as flat. So you got to walk up a hill. And I had this one guy walking up in the middle of the night and suddenly this man just stands up from wherever he was at the top of the hill. I think he was like checking a sprinkler cistern or something, Uh, but there was that second of what the hell is that? (laughs) Right. Because he just kind of loomed up out of nowhere. I had no idea he was up there. And then another time I got accosted by a neighbor who I guess thought I was, I don't know, casing the neighborhood or something. So all these little things. And the whole thing is she runs into this neighbor and she kind of knows him on site and she sees him as friendly. And so he's harmless. And of mm. course, he's not harmless. So right. <laughs> it's not really a spoiler. That's because <laughs> things happen and I won't spoil that. But stuff like that it's the fact humans are scary human monsters because you can't look at somebody and know they're a human monster some of the more notorious criminals serial killers i mean ted bundy's always the example but honestly jeffrey dahmer do you know how many people still go oh he's good looking he was good looking guy he looked harmless he seemed harmless he was absolutely the opposite of harmless and so that i think is really what scares people and what to play off of in those stories is like you're the fear taking, of the unknown well yeah, yeah. and there was a story something that be safe where there was a kid uh or a young a young person where they had escaped from jeffrey dahmer and the police mm-hmm. brought him back to him brought him back said, that one kills me <laughs> yeah okay. so it's 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 it, it, it's, it's about the scariest thing that that a person can do um uh so yeah it's disturbing i um so so is is there vi- the violence in your books is it kind of or is it um what kind of violence is emotional or or is it physical <laughs> or is it you know suspense I translate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. <laughs> it's, that is also a mix. And I will say that's because my books are collections of short stories for the most part. The new mm. one is not. It's a novel. <clears throat> but so I get to play with so many different things. That's the beauty of writing short fiction is that it's less of a time investment and you get to just do so many things. So there is a mix of, of say, gore and violence I'm not an extreme horror author, so it doesn't get to that point. But there is some gore and there is some violence. And then sometimes it's purely psychological. So I've got I've got Blue Sledge Blues is one of the ones I'm asked about the most. And so and it's the name of I use that as the title story in one of the collections. I get Blue Sledge Blues and other abominations. And it involves a porta potty type thing, one of those rest oh. area toilets. 
a hole in oh, the yeah. ground. That looks, one... that looks like a fun place to go right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make that cover. My husband designs my cover, so he did that one for right. me. And it's that one obviously has gore and it has violence. And I set out doing it. It started out as just an exercise and like, what's quick words can I put in here? Because, you know, people hate the word moist. So that's an mm. obvious one. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what can I do if I tried to write a story with some squick words in it? And then it just kind of went where it went. But So they're called squick words? Oh, no, that's just me. I'm just making that up. Oh, it's that good. It's good. That's, a good <laughs> that's a good coined term. I like that. A squick yeah. word. Works, yeah. right? So, it's sort of an onomatopoeia style. Like yeah. it's, it makes it has those, it's it's the it's the mouth sound stuff, man. Good word. Yeah, yeah. And so it's reading that job. one, I like to read that one if I'm at an actual horror crowd, mm-hmm. versus you know just some poor innocence at whatever other author reading there is. If I know I'm in a group that's really into horror, then I'll read that one. And that one is so fun to read out loud because everybody's reacting live when like, you're saying <laughs> everything. Yeah. So. Whoa! That's the best I can do for that answer. <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got a point of uh, potential contention, um, which is my bread and my butter. Humans and monsters. All right, let's have some definitions right quick. Okay. Can you define <laughs> me? a monster? Yeah. What's a monster? Now, see, if you're talking about a human monster, it's somebody who we consider what depraved, crazy, harmful to other people. And then if you're talking, that's that's where it really gets stretched is a monster that's not human in a movie Mm. or a book or a story is just tends to be the other. Right. It just tends to be a creature that's different than us. That can be a completely different thing in fantasy where something like that wouldn't be considered necessarily a threat. And then in horror, though, it's usually going to be a threat unless that's the twist. But um, yeah, so I feel like is, it's a big representation of the other. Is is there a difference? And and if so, what is that? Like I know you just gave two different definitions, but I think that's actually the same thing. And what I'm what I'm pushing into is what is actually different. Well. If we're talking horror, so I'm just going to yep. go there instead of talking about yep. fantasy creatures or horror. something. I mean, if we're going there, it's a threat. It's something oh, different it's from ourselves, and that would make a human monster and a monster monster the same thing, wouldn't it? It's a threat, mm-hmm. and it's something different from us. I think that Uncanny Valley can come into play, and you know, something that looks like us and is a threat, that's why that freaks us out. I mean, that's a biological caveman imperative right there. Mm, right. Uh, like... Like what? Did you see that movie Ex Machina or Ex Machina, as some people? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I did see it. That movie fucked with me, man. Like hardcore. I think it's supposed to fuck with you because you know you're seeing this thing that is absolutely not human, but it has a human face, right? Yeah. Well, and going even further with that, though, even if you humanize something and don't give it a human face, it gets to you. And I'll I'll bring up say. Christine or Cujo by Stephen King, either of those. I mean, we've got a dog and I feel bad for the dog like the whole way through. And I also, though, here's my thing with that. And this is why I connected to Ex Machina. Like I felt for the book, the car, Christine, Christine has emotions in that story pretty much. Right. Like suddenly (laughs) this car is humanized in this weird way. And so 
it's a step off from Uncanny Valley, but it's still enough that I'm like, listen, she's just defending her man. (laughs) (laughs) So, so H.P. Lovecraft, not that I I really like H.P. Lovecraft's writing as a person, you know, he's a piece of shit, but I do like his writing. Um, And it seemed like the, the, and if you, if you disagree, please tell me, seemed like he wrote a lot about the idea of the fear of the unknown. Hmm. Um, is that something that you resonate with? Is it something you use? Is it totally different? Go. Yeah, fear of the unknown is huge because that's that's our lives, though. That's us not knowing what's going to hit us at any given moment, not knowing if we walk around a corner, what can happen to us. I think that absolutely resonates, and that's something mm-hmm. to use. It's why I like don't set many stories somewhere where people won't necessarily find themselves on a regular day Mm. because that's if excuse me if that's something like say if you're going to the grocery store you feel like this is a normal everyday mundane thing and you're sick Mm. what if it isn't so it's really about asking that question what if this this normal thing that I do every day that I have no fear of suddenly there's a reason I should fear it? Hmm. Yeah, I'm so I'm in an acting class out here and 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 I write some, and I'm attempting to write up this one scene, and I was sitting there trying to figure out you know, I had all these ideas, but the thought came up: what's the setting? My my initial idea was a film noir because you know it's just kind of cool and iconic and all these things and. Uh, you know, a, a private eye, et cetera, et cetera. But I was sitting there thinking, you know, I don't, I'm not a private eye. And I, mm-hmm. I've never lived in the 1920s. Uh, what the fuck am I talking about? Right. And yeah. I, I had this sort of mental game of, so how do you build out the setting? Obviously putting someone in a, in that sort of a Dick Tracy, whatever. I know that's like later. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, <sighs> Star Trek the the next generation. What is it that Picard is always he always goes into? Oh, it's I'm not losing a, it's my, not a holodeck. I, it's, uh... I'm I'm losing my uh, I'm losing my Star Trek card here. Yeah, you are. Oh, <laughs> but I don't Dixon, remember either. Something, it's some Dixon's something like that. Uh, anyway, yeah. the yeah, whatever. The point is it's fun because you're like, oh, it's private eyes or or let's say you're going into horror. Oh, it's monsters and sort of these iconic things. But how do you choose, right? Like to do the mundane, to do something that's more iconic. You've written a lot. Yeah. How do you, how do you do this? Yeah. It depends on the story and what you're trying to speak to that. Then you analyze. So if, if my, if what I'm trying to get to, in a specific story is this could happen to you anywhere then that's going to be that's going to tell me what i need to do with my setting if it needs mm-hmm. to be that the setting is kind of a character of its own right I, if you've gone right. to a haunted well that's a character in a way and if you need that to play it up and to increase that suspense or for it to play that big a part then that's when you need to make sure that you've got that right setting I've got, you know, middle of the woods is a big one for people. People feel unsafe in the woods. I love the woods, but 
a lot of people feel unsafe in the woods. So that's another one of those settings where it could be bright and sunny and you can see the blue sky through the green canopy, or there can be bare reaching branches. You know, however you switch that up is going to describe that setting character. Now, uh, what about the voice that you're using and the, the, the verbiage? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of these things are just, I, I will say I'm a pantser, or as they now call it, a discovery writer. So I really don't go in planning anything heavily. I don't go in with a plot predetermined. It just kind of flows with what's working with the mood at the time, mm. whatever inspired me. So voice is tricky because that's one of those things that they say you really can't teach. <laughs> you, you have one or you don't. But as far as the character's voice, that also makes a difference. Because mm. so, you're hopefully... Hopefully you're in their head because any character, I mean, as an actor, you have to do the same thing. You need the audience to engage with the character. That's the same thing writers are trying to do, especially in horror. If you don't care about somebody, you don't care if something's going to happen to them. Therefore, there's no tension, right? There's no suspense. Mm. <clears throat> so you have to very quickly in short stories introduce this character in such a way that people are going to start to care that they might be in danger soon. So that's kind of a tricky thing on its own, but there are little ways of making that happen. So yes. I would think that would kind of help with be something with acting too. Yeah, I was gonna, well, I was gonna say, go on, go on, Ken. I was just gonna say, uh, setting is so important, and like in a horror movie or in a in a book, I would imagine as well, uh, having that setting not breaking away or breaking out of of the seriousness of what's happening is so uh difficult i i would imagine on a page it's easier than you know you're, you're watching a film and an hour and a half in you see the monster and it's totally revealing and the monster's bad and then you're not scared anymore so where, <laughs> whereas if in a book or something like that you have a lot more uh, build and and I think you you've kind of spoke to this before with the words that you chose uh, and and uh, a lot of the imagery. Uh, are you telling these stories uh, that you write from are they first person? Or do you, do you get into the head of the killers? Do you try to tell <laughs> their story ever? Um, That's another. It depends on the story. So yeah. again. I like, actually have the more blue, like 50 uh, stories out. <laughs> with, with the, so how many, how many short stories are in the Blue Sludge Blues and other abominations? It's how many? They, like, I'd say probably about in the 13 or so range. Okay, so if we picked one of the stories, and I, I don't, uh, unfortunately don't have one, but we're, with a striking character in it, like, is, like, where, can, can you pick one of the story and, and maybe speak to where you're telling the story from where, where are we hearing it from like could you read your book real yeah. <laughs> just read it yeah, look at this and grab could you book. just read this book uh so, i don't know it's something that stands out i don't know so i do have one i've done one from the killer's point of view that was just a flash piece mm -hmm. and and by flash that's that's less than it's just a few hundred words the story told mm -hmm. in a few hundred words and 
He's done that in his head, stalking somebody. And the tension is built from you're aware of who he's stalking. You're seeing them through his eyes. You're starting to worry about this person. And he, part of what I played up with him was just his his detachment from worrying about her, from being concerned about her as a human and his excitement at what he's about to do. So, and for the life of me, I can't remember the title of it. I Eventually, <laughs> eventually that becomes... I know what that's like. I've worked yeah. on a lot of productions. Uh, I absolutely feel you. Um, I can't remember everybody I've worked with or all the all the films that I've worked on. So I I get it. You you do reach a point where you're like ah okay yeah. I but 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 getting into that mindset as a writer. I mean, what what was striking to you? What 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 did you feel while while telling their story? Nothing. That was something where I I wanted to so you know I've said I'm interested in serial killers and to be clear I don't hold them in high regard <laughs> or anything like that I don't believe in Let's putting hope not. <laughs> them on a but there are people who do that's the scary thing and they're like that's harmless well okay but <laughs> I I do not hold them and that I'm not putting them on a pedestal what I'm interested in is how a person can be like that. How can they think the way they think? How can they completely dehumanize another human being mm. and just look at them as a receptacle An and something to do whatever they want to do to a tool, something like that. And so that's what I, what I wanted to do going into that story is I was like, what, what do they think when they're doing this? What, is possibly running through their head. How do they justify this to themselves? So it was really just, I think that nobody who does not exist in that mindset can ever fully understand them. That includes FBI profilers because you'd have to have something in your own brain that could get how something like, how somebody could do something like that. And obviously there are crimes where you can totally get behind what somebody did like all right that might not have been the right thing to do but i can understand why that was what they needed to do in this instance but that's not that kind of crime so yeah i just there's a part of me i should say and it, it could be i am neurodivergent and i've spent my life having to understand other people and just to be able to function right like other people do so that i can present the same sort of face to the public that they do and so in, in that really twisty way, I, I want to understand them, not because I want to copy that, but I, there's a part of me who needs to understand how people can do something like this. And because at some point, maybe it can become less horrific, but it can't. And that's plain and simple. It will never be less horrific, what they're doing. <clears throat> I, I was thinking, uh, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was. The idea of, you know, stories, monsters, um, putting putting oneself in another's shoes. There's this idea, <clears throat> you know, that a monster is the other. Okay, let me ellipsis that really fast. Science fiction, which is not what we're talking about, but we could we could. Science fiction has a lot of horror in it. Uh, someone described. I think it was my brother described to me once what science fiction, in their opinion, what in his opinion, what it was. And this was his definition. Well, I'm going to tell, uh, do I want to ask you, what is your definitions of, of science fiction really quick? We'll do that. Science fiction. I'll get, 
Yeah, I'll get to a point really fast, but you know. I mean, bearing in mind covered. that I don't yep. write much of it or anything. I so. don't either. Growing up, science fiction. Well, I was going to say it involves science in it. It tends to be. The problem is that I tend to watch for science fiction a lot of stuff that involves space, right? That's yeah, where like I what? tend to go, but that is not the full definition of science fiction. No. So somehow anything with space has kind of been wrapped in there because we view that as science, but so is <clears throat> going under the ocean. Right. right. Like the, the Nautilus inside. Yeah. So anything having to do with something that we see as scientific aspects tends to be science fiction. And I'm sure that I'm going to think of like a, something that counters that, but yes. But in general, I would say that approaches it, which is interesting in the writing community and the sci-fi writing community. So there's an overarching speculative fiction, right? And that's mm. fantasy science fiction. And for whatever reason, horror has been lumped into that. <laughs> and it's a little mm. bit different, but, but couldn't couldn't you see horror as um you know if you've got well, a, certainly speculation a monster like not not a monster like human monster but like a alien monster or you know that that there's a technology like freddy or 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 a ghost or something like that from beyond the realms um yeah so i mean i get why it's there it's just that horror tends to go to a con or is living on the outskirts of it because mm-hmm. it's kind of two different groups of audiences sometimes or people. So, you know, but in writing circles, there's a lot of argument over because there are people who are, we'll say traditionalists who want hard science and all their sci-fi. And that is why mm. I kind of struggle to have a definition because a lot right. of people don't feel hard science has to be involved. And I think a lot of sci-fi doesn't have hard mm. science and i mean terminator has science but is it hard science can we can, do they ever actually say how anything really truly scientifically happened in a process i mean we get get the origin because they go back in terminator too but it's i wouldn't call it hard science fiction so the definition uh i don't know if it's my brother or not told me kind of I remembered it for, for this reason. It 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 kind of threw me. They were like, science fiction is about humans, and I was like, okay, that's sort of a non-statement, right? Because everything is about humans. And he's like, no, 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 no. What science fiction is doing is it's using the other to talk about humans. So whether you're doing hard science or soft science or whatever it is, the idea is always, for example, in Star Trek. The aliens are actually just human. They're aspects of humanity. And this could be argued. It's a contentious statement. However, I do agree with it. And I'm going back into my monster uh, mindset thing about how could we put, how could a normal person put themselves in the shoe of a normal, another normal person or an abnormal person or what do you want to call it? Everything that's been created has been done by humans. Right? There's nothing that's non-human when it comes to <clears throat> these thoughts and these stories and monsters and these these ideas. It's all human. Right? right. Uh, there, there's an argument that could potentially be made that it's impossible for us to fathom something that is not human. Because we are human. Thoughts! 
I mean, yeah, everything, any any sort of fictional anything is being created from a human brain, period, right? And it's being created for the consumption by human brains. Mm. And just look at what do we constantly do? We personify, right? We even animals. Mm. I already threw out Sucho and Christine, but we personify mm. them to have a better understanding of them. How many people with pets haven't somehow personified or humanized their pets? They talk to their pets. Oh, yeah. They ascribe human emotions to their pets. And that's just how we as humans deal with life, I think. And we and we don't know how to look at anything any other way. Unless, and then we have these people who are who are divergent in that they don't even view other humans as human a lot of the time, right? In so, that wild. In that wild. Yeah. And we we have this idea that that's a good or a bad thing or whatever right um i which is in and of itself something to dig down into uh surely there's a science fiction that does i would say brave new world <laughs> i would call it science fiction and i would say that it does absolutely uh, yes. the idea of othering i mean you're looking at people and they have uses that's they have their place in society and the rules are different once you do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we have stuff like tribalism where, right, where we bunch into these little groups. I mean, we can use the simpler word of click, but we bunch into these groups in this kind of self-preservation, self-lifting lifting way, right? Mm. And by mm. doing that, though, we create an other and we ascribe negative things to them and positive mm. things to ourselves to, and the only thing I can get from that is that it's self-protective, right? In some mm. way, shape, or form. And so, yeah, I mean, we are also doing that to people all the time. And I I don't want to go deep into politics and all of that. It just, but we see that in politics a lot, especially right yeah. now, the dehumanizing of somebody who doesn't agree with you about it. And, and that's reaching really a peak. So... We do it everywhere is what I'm saying. <laughs> There's uh, I, I don't know if this is a because I have not read. Sorry, I'm giving you like the, the middle thought, not the beginning of the thought. Uh, so Beauty and the Beast. Right. I have not read the original. Um, I only know that the different variants or some of the different variants of the story. Like, for example, the Disney version. Um, but from what I understand, there's an element to it about this. I mean, you could, it could just be about vanity. Maybe the... Is it a Grimm's tale? Is that a Grimm's fairy tale? Yeah, I don't think it's a happy that ending. Like, so. I think, yeah. I actually don't, I don't know what it. the original Grimm ending is, though. I don't remember. It's probably like, you know, someone ends up in a, a stew. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the idea of, is the Beast actually a bad guy? This is probably like the Disney version that I'm just yelling at. But, you know, Gaston, let's just talk about the Disney version. Gaston okay. <laughs> is is obviously the monster, right? And the beast is not the monster, and yet he will. Um, first off, do you agree with that? And, and and do you have anything to add? And then second, uh, yeah, that's it. Do you do you agree and do, or have anything to add to subtract from that statement? Yeah, I do agree with that, and I feel like that's a cautionary tale, right? Like, don't just assume that because somebody because gaston is supposed to be attractive he's charismatic everybody hey, else wants hell. him apparently and so and they will let him get away with anything he does 
Mm. He can do whatever he wants. And he's actively this monster and they're looking the other way. And then we have this beast who's stuck alone in the woods. I mean, he is a bit of a dick. Let's be honest here. He's he's not the best in terms of a yeah. great relationship, but, but no, he's not the monster, but he looks like the monster. And obviously that's a message we've seen. I don't want to bring up contentious issues, but we've seen it with, to, to use less lesser ones, if somebody has a disease that shows on the outside externally, that it's, right. it's not one of the hidden ones, how differently they're treated in society and how they can easily be isolated by other oh, people. Oh, sure. And so uh, out of fear. You isn't know? that story really speaking to that sort of thing? Yeah. How how we yeah. can turn against somebody who's a, who could be a perfectly good person because on the outside they look scary. And then here's this guy who's... In, absolutely awful person inside but he's pretty outside so he can do whatever he wants and yeah, do we not right. see that all the time in real life too i feel like mm. we do I, I think that's why salt burn was so successful uh as oh, a God. film Fucking... more recently i, I feel like uh that that's let's not do that's, spoilers let's not do spoilers uh, well i'm no i i don't i don't i think that but the, i think the reason why that film is successful is because people had anticipations i'm not going to give away the ending but it's a wonderful twist i am this is uh, what ha- <laughs> and i don't i don't think we should I, I i you know if you're gonna spoil things i mean you can spoil it but uh let's make sure that shannon uh doesn't shannon have you seen saltburn i have Hey, chat, if you haven't seen Saltburn, you should probably, you know, we, we, we might talk about it. Um, without divulging one of the 18 plot twists that's in that silly fucking movie, uh, what was your what were your opinions about it? So it was interesting because I, wa- I saw a lot of conversations about it before I actually got to watch it. And I will oh, say the work community was deeply split. <laughs> on on salt aspects of salt burn about sure <laughs> so i honestly haven't really thought through fully how i felt about it i felt it was effective at what it was trying to do yeah and, kind of like a firework yeah. is effective at blowing up it's like oh yeah okay good <laughs> good like, job it was like it was very beauty of the beast story and i i felt like uh it that came across uh certainly in his mind and it certainly uh broke its way into to the nature of of what we deal with here in america which is people who are not uh good at being um they're just not good <laughs> i don't know at society, uh, they're just not good at society. at society yeah they're not good at society it's 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 sort of incel culture i'm glad we're not on twitch because we just would have gotten banned for saying that and uh to me it's just a dark nature of not having empathy for uh your fellow creatures but i guess that's a monster so when you're looking at that and i can't remember character names so we're just gonna say the main character of salt sure. burn yeah, Are pouty you face, big fuck. Yeah, yeah, him. <laughs> Which character? Very, uh, very, uh, Keegan, very Keegan, Keegan Hand. He was playing uh, a the, character, the, I guess, Oliver Kogan. Quick. The 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 chat is asking for your thoughts on Saltbird, by the way. Mine? Oh yeah, yeah. You're the guy. Oh. I don't care about mine. Okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, again, I thought it was effective. It certainly is twisty as fuck, right? And mm-hmm. and they have purposely remember those squick words I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. They very intentionally did yeah. put in the squick factor, right? Oh yeah. They did some things because they knew it would have an impact on the audience. I mean, I'm oh, not yeah. gonna name it, oh, yeah. them, but oh, yeah. because it's less impactful if we bring did it. Did you up. call so, did you did you call any of them? They call any like, of what he was going to do. So, so sitting in the theater, because I'm like super really smart, right? I was sitting in the theater and like, I felt that a lot of the things were foreshadowed. And I mean, those, you call them squick, right? I really like that word. I'm going to steal yeah, it. It's a fun word. Squick word. That's that's the, that's a coined word. You should totally coin it if you haven't. Um, I feel like they foreshadowed those moments. Do you, or do you think that they were, what's your opinion on it? Oh, I definitely feel like there was foreshadowing. I feel like you do have an idea pretty quickly once things start to happen of of what we're looking at with this character. And sure, there's a little bit of doubt, if I'm remembering right. I've only watched it once, so it hasn't had a review. But You'll need one. I definitely think it's a movie you need to watch more than once. You watch it once, you get hit. You get slapped around a bit, right? That's that's what that yeah. first viewing is for, is to get sure. in the face. And like then, the I've been to a funeral before. I understand what happens. What? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that's the spot of it. That's what, funerals. that's what you do. It's what you do. All right. Okay. I'm taking your word for it. I've never been at the, the, the site where they've done it. I was like, get in there, man. Yeah. <laughs> they put the fun in funerals. Uh, that's a. Uh... <laughs> there you go that's favorite part of the movie what was your favorite part of the movie without going to the detail about like exactly what i'm just gonna say in general i like how twisty it was i like how they pulled off the twists and that it kind of keeps happening and then we'll just say some of the stuff he did was so kind of reprehensible or repulsive to people mm. that there were things near the end that I was like, oh, that's not nearly as bad as I thought. You right. Do. <laughs> did, did you have that same at the end? Like I was waiting for something to happen in a, at least one scene at the end. Like, oh, God. Oh, don't. Oh, don't no, I, I lost. I lost my it. faith. I lost my faith in the movie uh, about three quarters of the way through. Um, I was like, oh, OK. I mean, like about halfway through, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, it got me several times, yeah. but there was a point that I was like, okay, I think I get what they're doing. Well, I forget the director's name, uh, famous director. Uh, after watching Saltburn, I went mm. and watched uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Sacred Deer. The only reason I know about any of these movies is because of uh, my special lady friend, uh, my girlfriend. And because she's super into horror and all these things. And uh, we had a lot of conversations about it. My point, the killing of a sacred deer, in my opinion, my humble opinion, far superior of a movie in literally every aspect. And I hadn't seen it before. The long, the short of it is uh, the movie in and of itself is attempting like as an object, the movie is a, a sour pill. The experience of the movie, right? 
and it's it's going meta in certain ways. Like there's a in in that movie, uh, the killing of a, a sacred deer. There's a point maybe 20 minutes in, I looked over and I was like, you've got Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, like the Barry, whatever the fuck his name is, all these people who are amazing actors. What is going on with this dialogue? It sucks. And she kind of smiled at me and I was like, oh, the whole time you're supposed to be sitting there getting uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's and masterful. It's kind it's masterful. of, there's, there's beauty to it, right? And so yep. that's, boom, just kind of messing with your head there. And that's and I don't, I don't think art. they did in Saltburn. I don't think they got it. I, the very last scene was my favorite part. I uh, didn't feel very like last it one. either. Did, did you, uh, did you uh, either one of you catch uh, Boxing Helena? I thought that was a really oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's been a, no, a long time. It. but Yeah, it's, it's super long good. time. What's uh, it was by... Uh, it's about a guy don't want to give it away who is injured uh, whatever i mean spoilers uh, at this point on that one are probably I don't care. more I don't care. yeah no you're good you're good who was injured and and he uh he's he put in bed by this woman he's put in bed uh by this woman and she's supposedly taking care of him and mm. like as it goes on she's removing bo- body parts she's <laughs> making his world smaller oh no uh, oh no and and I, I think it there's a lot of there's a lot of meaning behind what the body part remover and it's it's in it's a heady thing. It's not grotesque necessarily, but it's it's kinda like have you ever been set on by a person? So this is horror, taking, right? Yeah, well it's not scary, but it's scary it's, it's psychological like, psychological a psychological yeah. horror. And th- this is yeah. this is the kind of shit that if if I were to say what is pure horror Shannon, please save me from myself here. Oh, no. Listen, (laughs) here's the thing about horror is that it covers a lot of things. And there are things that people will argue with you aren't horror. And they are, in fact, because the whole thing about it's become very stuck into a box. And a lot of that, as much as I loved him growing up and reading all this stuff, a lot of it came down to people think if it is something Stephen King would have written, it's horror. And if it's not, it's not. And there was a debate on a horror thing the other day. I'm probably going to get totally sidetracked on this. On a horror site the other no, day where somebody did a, a questionnaire, basically. And they were like, if a, if a movie doesn't have vampires or zombies, is it even horror? And the high percentage of people that said no is uh-uh. absolutely insane. And my thing is, again, psychological horror, there'll be a lot of people who will say, no, no, that's a psychological thriller and you have a fine line. But the mm. fact is that horror is alive in all kinds of genres. We see it all the time in other things. Handmaid's Tale is hotly contested as being horror, but really? sorry, at least if you're a woman, it is absolutely horror. I, it, I found that to be nearly unwatchable. It was, it was so intense. I, I think we watched it during covid like highlighted covid and i was like this is just too real it's rough or, uh it was hard it was a hard the thing is she she took real life instances so we'll say for example iran and how women went if if have you ever seen the pictures of when women were were politicians and in positions of power they're wearing what we as americans would consider everyday clothing 
and how that was all taken away from them. Atwood researched the places this had really happened. And so if you read the book, it is absolutely intense because the way she makes it happen and and a lot of us women are thinking, oh, oh, shit, right now. So look how easily it could happen if you have enough people with the right or wrong mindset to take everything away. So what so, genre is that? Is that horror? It depends who you ask. I feel it as aspects of horror at the very least. Mm, and it mm. is on, I read it because it was on the top 100 horror list put out by a magazine. So sure. absolutely people who think it's horror. I think it's horror, but there's a lot of people that don't. They can't just consider it. Uh, we don't care about term. them. We care about your opinion. I, I don't, but but they, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely horror, and it's got very real it's violence terrifying in it. how insidious yeah. it is, yeah, in the way it happens. So, mm -hmm. I just feel a lot of things have, at the very least, horror aspects, even if people don't want to agree they're horror. So, really, the definition as it comes down is that it elicits these negative emotions from you. So, and repulsion is one of those. That's why gore is a go-to in horror sometimes as well, because that is elicited this, this sense of repulsion in you. It's getting an emotional reaction, mm -hmm. a negative emotional reaction from you. But there's fear, there's terror, and there's repulsion, and there's kind of like a little hot list of things like the those words that can make up horror. But what it is, is it's supposed to kind of grab that reptile brain of yours and touch something subconscious that reaches your concerns. Well, it, it's so, the, the go uh, gore is clearly the cartoon and, and you know, Handmaid's Tale drama. Uh, yeah. That is the horror that gets you where it hurts. So it's like when you've, if you, if you put... Texas Chainsaw Massacre up against the hands maid's tail. There's nothing in Texas Chainsaw Massacre that really gets me. It's like it's loud. It's over the top. I, I know we're talking. Well, you're from Kentucky. I mean, you know, um, it's kind of everything. I mean, it gets me. It gets me. But we're we're yeah. like we're almost immune to it. Uh, you know, it gets you in a different way, right? I mean, you go in there and you know you're going to have this crazy thrill it's ride, basically. Yeah, it's a roller coaster and, of mayhem and chainsaws. Yeah. But it, but it, it's, I, my, I guess my point is, is, is like when you're writing, you don't have explosions and stuff like that. So set and setting is really important for horror to me, you know, before you start breaking that fourth wall, which, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think probably goes down that road pretty deeply. I haven't seen much of them. I don't know the plot or the... Other than plot. It, it, <laughs> it's <laughs> the plot, but I presume the plot. I mean, I, I I don't think there are a lot of twists in that one. So uh, there aren't, and it plays up on kind of kind of thing. I try and stay away from myself because uh, I, I feel like it's kind of punching down sometimes when we do the scary hillbilly or scary redneck. Like we're talking about. <laughs> people who are usually kind of disadvantaged but ignored for being disadvantaged in a in a way we're, from other we're, people. Both Ken and I are hillbillies. It's perfectly fine. It's true. <laughs> and you're you're okay with that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh real real quick, could you define I'm being a little obtuse here. Could you define punching down really fast? Punching down. So yeah, people who are at a a disadvantage as compared to the people mocking them, I would say. Oh uh, I see. Okay. If I'm a middle class individual and I'm making fun of somebody who 
is typically poor, right? Living in poverty, uh, maybe undereducated, that sort mm. of thing. I gotta, I consider that punching down a bit. I do. So. I would argue the middle class is living in poverty. But... <laughs> well, I will agree with you there, but, <laughs> but it, it, I have a kid college you know... bound next year, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how, does, how does anybody do that? So, uh, to, to not risk getting a little political um yeah you're you're talking about people who are undereducated but but we're in a time now where that is a very real thing where there's a lot of undereducated people and there's a lot of power behind that so it's just like uh and they there's a flipped script saying don't go to college uh get a job you know become a okay. welder you well, know, don't do don't go to college. It's useless, right? Yeah, don't go to college. Uh, don't go into debt. You know, work with your hands. Do something. Yeah, that, which might that be completely flipping that. Right, it, we're kind of seeing the rise of a certain subset of, I guess, hillbillies. We'll say, and then that means it's not punching down. So, but also, aren't we making fewer of those stories now? Which because I'm just thinking they all seem to come out at the same time and like wrong turn comes to mind mm. and the hills have is it, the hills have eyes yeah. and stuff nope. like that. Wrong turn was kind of this resurgence of it because that was years later. So we had what? I'm going to say the 70s. Don't quote me on it. <laughs> Where we no, have the hills it, have it, it looks like it's in the 70s. Yeah. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff yeah. like that. And I would love like this is definitely not something I could do in this conversation. But yeah, I would want to see why did those types of movies start happening at one time? And I'm sure books were matching up with that. They tend to precede the movies. And mm. then why was there the resurgence when there was? And why aren't we seeing it more when I feel like a lot of us are terrified of what people who fit into that subset are doing? Like, sh how delayed is that reaction? I got <clears throat> my question for that. That's so interesting. It's interesting. And it, well, the thing is, that it, it like you said, it plays on a trope. And I think that people are, it, it's hard to put things in context. Uh, that's why it's so important to do so, right? Uh, we've been putting things in context for a very short amount of time. Uh, because, you know, like back in the day, isn't that long ago. Uh, but we, we kind of act like there's always been film. There's always been, like, everyone's always read. There's always been... Uh, social media which obviously is there hasn't there's always been any information you could you could ever think of at your fingertips but that's that's all that's all nonsense um where i'm going with this is i don't know if we've gone long enough to where there's a there's a cycle right right like why were people scared second time why were people scared or yeah why were people scared of hillbillies in the 70s well let me tell you they're still scared of hillbillies because well, when you okay. drive into Appalachia, you realize you are in a remote place that has a different culture. And I think someone went there and was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know? Isn't there a whole yeah. like non-horror movie that came out with, oh no, one of the redheaded actresses recently that got a lot of ire. And by recently, I'm saying last five years, I guess. Oh, no. But, but yeah, it is like a different place and you feel out of place if you go there, if you're not from somewhere like that i'm but from I mean, kentucky and i'm out of place no. like if i roll yeah. in there they're like who the fuck are you <laughs> no it's true i and except and, they don't and sound I, like that they're like deep, 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 deep. and i'm like oh shit 
I Colorado, I'm sure, has that as well. Um, I love y'all. You go outside of the city. New York has that. Like you go outside of the city and you go to a place where you're not really supposed to be, and people will make you feel it. Right, you're alien. You're you're the alien at that point, right? You're the one being othered all of a sudden, and so you're othering back. So. and the same could yeah, be like said if, if you're from the city or from the country and you go into the city, it's intense and it's a it's a horror of of a, of a different kind. I yeah, mean, the I, city I in and of itself is a horror. Uh, I have friends who would live downtown and be perfectly happy, completely living in that whole space, and then I'm just like complaining about finding parking. <laughs> Buckmud says the Handmaid's Tale is, in capitals, horrific. It is awesome. Horrific. Good. No, I've had arguments with people about it. So, like, uh, and yes, my arguments mm. have so far all been males telling me that it's not horror, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I want you to read it again and think about your mom being in that situation my, my, and then tell me again it's not horror. I guess. I my don't know question is, my question is, if males are telling you this, why aren't you just accepting? <laughs> And making them a sandwich for the for the troubles. And do uh, there's been a there's been and 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 there's that is in the story. White white males right now. I mean, I I don't want to go. I, I like it's Stop it's, it's touching down on my people. Yeah. But here's the thing: speculative fiction, all speculative fiction, tends to be a commentary on whatever's happening at the time, and that includes fantasy, and. Uh, be, just like you said earlier, right? I mean, it's reflecting humans, even if it's an alien. And so it's sometimes hard to discuss horror without discussing hard issues too, right? So yeah. I get it. But I mean, isn't, <laughs> isn't that the point of horror to make these issues easier to, to discuss? I mean, and, and that's where we get into the games uh, and to the, you know, when we do our role playing game, like we want to talk about these hard issues uh, sometimes just to, to work them through on our own, you know, as, as an individual person, I'm sure that's the same with writing. You, you write about something that you need to work through, uh, or you research something that you want, want to understand better. Right. Oh, and, and that's true. And it's interesting <clears throat> because there's a lot of people feeling like they're being beat about the head. And I've seen movies where, or, or read books where I was like, Yo, like, I know that there's always going to be messages in here, but could you bury it a little bit so that there's some mm. entertainment too? And, like, this isn't, un- uh, uh, right, unpopular. A lot of people are split. Like, it follows, I felt like I was being smacked around with a message. And I was like, I get it. But so there's always something like that. And for some people, <laughs> it was amazing. And to them, it was telling the message just right. And we're all different. So I'm not going to hold it against somebody. Yeah, but, but people... People can be wrong is the thing. Like, and I mean, that, that, that's, that's the deal. People can actually be, Definitely. can be stupid. People oh. can be fucking stupid. People can be wrong. They can, they can, they can just be assholes. Like, and I know on a subjective thing, it's, it's hard to, to say, to dictate, Hey, look, here's who's right and who's wrong. Right. Yeah. But I think allowing for it too. Like we can make declarative statements on what we believe and have some some uh I don't I know, do, but <laughs> it depends on the audience, right? But it's not like I'm not an opinionated person. But... I want to know your opinion about uh, what Ken was talking about. Do you agree with him? 
about like uh, Ken, you were talking about basically when someone's writing horror or just writing in general, but let's stick to horror. Um, maybe they're doing it to work through stuff. Hey, Shannon, why do you write? <laughs> it's not always to work through stuff, but it can be, right? So again, it just writing is a spectrum like everything's all creation is a spectrum of things everybody comes at it for a different reason there are people who insist that they did not put any messages into their stories but people got messages out of them anyway and so right. were they subconscious from the author or were they something i always find it fascinating because okay in high school you have to analyze literature to pieces and most of the stuff that our teacher is saying is there is the author had no intention of being there so again mm, is it some part, subconscious part of the author or is it just the subconscious of the people analyzing it <clears throat> i mm. i aced lit once i figured out if i just bullshitted my way through and made up the most ridiculous things about what this piece was about they were like excellent yes you really broke that apart and i'm like it was great fun i actually enjoyed doing it but i was really making something up at that point just deriving mm. it from whatever i was reading but whether i believed that's what the author meant or not is a whole different message and it's funny because each teacher had their own slant right i had a oh yeah high school teacher who i swear on all that is holy anything was sexual or something where i don't even remember which which piece of literature it was but a spear gets chucked into a cave he said it was sexual and i'll absolutely hey and the only reason i knew spear into a cave is that's right it's got to be sexual (laughs) and what is that saying about all the parties involved a spear and a cave so once i had that keyed in right i was like okay then i know exactly how to analyze everything from here on out and you can derive anything you want to out of something mm, but absolutely you are going to see chunks of any author whether they do it knowingly or not you are going to see parts of their subconscious where that becomes problematic and people looking at it is horror authors get hit with this all the time if you write this twisted thing you must also be twisted mm. right? I, I think i think you know part of what was happening you know just to step it back is that english teachers they want you to think out of the box so i think that when oh, i did so it worked yeah so <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't it, it it does matter though and i'm sure that there whatever it is that you came up with uh had a relevance and had a connection because that was your connection it's it's it was your yeah. your uh but i would like to reverse it again and say sexuality and horror and like there are tropes like if you have sex in a horror movie you die or, or any any kind of sexuality in a horror movie is rape. Uh, what where where are you in sexuality and horror? Like in science fiction, I think the the as as writers go, that's hot right now. Like literally. sex is hot. <laughs> sex is hot in science fiction. Did that go away is, for a while or <laughs> is sex hot is is sex hot and horror? So you know, are you aware that there is horror erotica? I, I'm I, not, well, I knew there's not unaware that you <laughs> say it and I say, aha. <laughs> they are tied together in a lot of ways. Not always. Obviously, there's plenty yeah. of stuff that has nothing to do with sex and horror, and plenty of stuff in sex that has Bullshit. nothing to do with horror. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> but 
I think that <laughs> the big part of why they can be tied together so much is again, what is horror doing? It's aiming for emotions. It's aiming for subconscious reactions. It's aiming for your lizard brain again, not to abuse mm -hmm. that. So it, 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 it's trying to reach that part of you that you try and hide away from the world that you push mm. down, that you explain away. It's all of those things. It's trying to touch that. And so is now I'm using touch a lot. We're talking about sex, but it's, a, it's not, but yeah. caress, please. In terms, I mean, fear and, and passion, I, those things can be very easily wound together. And if you look at the way the body responds to things in terms of what it's what what starts working and what what your brain is doing and what chemicals it's flushing through your body, a lot of those are going to be the same between those two. So, and then mm. of course they're just. Do you guys ever watch? Uh, if you have Shutter, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Last Drive-In. I, I don't. Ooh. That sounds familiar. I don't have Shutter. But that sounds familiar. What talked about it? He used to do it on different channels and stuff too, way, way back in the day, and he's been revived on Shutter. And his whole thing is he brings movies that you would have expected to see at the drive-in. So uh, sometimes, yeah, it doesn't cool. necessarily have to be horror, but it has to be in kind of that family of things that would have been shown. And then he has commentary on it. So I'd like oh, it, that's of course, cool. to learn all kinds of things. But And what's it called again? Joe Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in. And yeah, he does specials yeah. for holidays, and then in the summer, he has it every week on there. Some people what sign was... up for Shutter solely for that show and then cancel when he's done. What 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 show? Uh, what was the last movie you saw at the drive-in? And do you like the band the drive at the drive-in? <laughs> we still have one in Pueblo, Colorado. It's about nice. 40 minutes south of where I live, and it has been a few years now since I went. We used to, even when my kids were little, we were still going. So I don't know the last one, but the timing... Trying to think of what the timing was around when we last went. Well, it was probably about 10 years ago or so. And they were getting everything. They'd have one screen with kids' movies. So it wasn't all horror or anything. But, like, we have that image from movies. Mm. Of of horror movies, like schlock horror movies, were big at the drive-in. That's what What's people a like to see. The, it came from outer space or, you know. Yeah. Good. It was that like fun, ridiculous horror. Yeah, uh, we really um, don't make any more much. So thriller. Uh, I, think, I think that that's how it starts, right? For sure. Yeah, at the drive-in, aren't they? Yeah, I want to say Michael Jackson's Thriller starts at the drive-in. Think so. The, and I think it's a horror movie. If it makes oh yes. Yeah. So the uh, the last memory that I have of one, I think I was a kid. We drove up, and there was like this huge like it was a speaker but it, it almost looked like a microphone and you hung that on the thing and it was like it was like on a post it was forever ago i remember being a kid and being like this sucks the sound is all scratched a cinema's yeah. way better than this i, I, I like think the, the last one i went like they they had a radio channel or two yes. and they would just broadcast it on the radio I, I the last the last film I saw and it was when it was new was Naked Gun, oh, I wow. believe. In terms of remaking that, apparently, are they? Yeah. What were we saying, Shannon? Oh, sorry. I think that I think that was what would that be early nineties? 
Oh uh, man, yeah, early nineties. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it was, what what was the dude's name? It's not Lawrence. Leslie. It's um, yeah, Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're remaking it. I think with Liam Neeson. Another L name. Fuck. Yeah. Really? Leslie okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do remember, and this wasn't the last one I saw. Seeing arachnophobia at the drive-in because mm. my mom is arachnophobic, so that was a hell of an experience. Let me tell oh, no. you. You didn't know what was playing that night. So, that went so bad. <laughs> so I have I have several questions. Uh, we'll see if Ken lets me get through them. Nope. <laughs> so, true crime. How awful do I? You probably know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> you probably know where I'm going to go with this. Maybe, maybe you do. I'm a white man. I suppose. I'm a heterosexual white man. Um, I think that's I what's that up range. What's up with with women into true crime? Now, first of all, caveat. It's not first of all. Second of all, caveat. I'm into it too, obviously. However, there is a stereotype that people of the millennial era. I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask, although I'm passive-aggressively saying, of the millennial era are into true crime. So dispel these stereotypes or go into the... Go. Tell us. Right. Here's the thing. It is a stereotype probably for a good reason. And there's we'll discuss it. I'm not a millennial. so. Oh, you're not. You're yeah, not. I have no problem with that. I'm a Gen Xer. So, oh, yeah, okay. there's only one millennial on here, and it's that guy. That guy. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my siblings are all millennials. So I I'm see. oldest of five, and there was a gap. And I see. Our... I see. I understand. I got five. 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 No, no, no. Okay. But so, yes, here's, here's kind of a theory. I can't tell you with any real scientific basis why it is. But I'll tell you. So I grew up in a high crime area. several Mm. high crime areas before I came to Colorado. And when I was in elementary school, I was not allowed to go to the bathroom by myself. We had to wait until a group could go uh, because, you know, danger in the the elementary school was not safe. And we had, we learned from a, I learned, they they taught the women, girls from an early age basically self-defense things and things not to do to draw attention to yourself and meeting meeting the eyes of somebody so they know you're paying attention, not looking at the ground when you're balking. I was learning this stuff in elementary school in an effort to keep us safe. And I still, I had, I did have a guy try and kidnap me when I was walking to my bus stop. He tried to get me in his car. I booked it and ran and thank goodness their door was unlocked. I ran to the nearest house. I didn't knock. I turned that knob and went in. Oh, they you never live? knew I was there. What? What? Where were you? Uh, so I was living in Maryland at the time. Uh, Maryland sucks. Town. Yeah, it was not safe where we. I was about fifteen. I've mapped it since then because I was curious. I was young. Sure. I moved from there when I was twelve, and the city I used to live in has been like advertised as a safe city to live in now. And I mapped it. It's fifteen minutes outside Baltimore. If that tells you anything. Oh, dude. Dude. So that leaked, I guess. I don't know. And I don't know if it really is safe for now or if they've just done some things to bury stuff. I have no idea. But 
I had seen and dealt with a lot of things, uh, flashers and two, two separate flashers I could tell you about there. And so, yeah, it was constantly being drummed into us that it was our responsibility to keep ourselves safe and we were to make ourselves mm. small but big and we were to defend ourselves and how are we supposed to dress and all of this stuff. And that is what women grow up under. And yes, mm. anybody can be, this is a big argument I see online. Men can be in danger in public too. You're absolutely correct. Don't worry about there the are, disclaimers. Just go. There are different risks for women, and they start at a young age, and and we are constantly trained that if you slip up, you're going to get yourself into this situation. And I think that that has us already tuned in and wanting to know more about these situations that we've been hit in the face with since we were young, and and it's just it's just such a normal part of growing up for us to be given those defensive things and it's like cultural almost like you should see just for a while there if i said i'd gone for a walk at 2 a.m or something like that and people are like that's not safe you shouldn't have done that and i'm like would you well, say when that you said it when you said that like earlier when you were like oh yeah, yeah i walk at night i was like you had a visceral well, right I, like i walk at night i i i yeah I've but you're at night. a dude but but i'm six feet tall and I walk he's about like 15 five. miles. He says he's six feet. He's uh, six five. I, w I walk about 15 miles an hour. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I kind of get my presence up a little bit. I don't walk through groups. I mean, I'm smart about it. But I, I used to walk in L.A. when I lived there. Uh, right. I don't wear headphones. I, yeah. I wouldn't do, you know, like, you need to be able to hear. You need to be able to be defensive. Yeah, but, yeah, I was where? always like, do you ask dudes why they walk at 2 o'clock in the morning? Or was it just oh, so me good. that should be not allowed to? You know, so and I was good. like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it's it's that sort of thing. I think it just kind of keys us into true crime in a different way because, in mm -hmm. a way, we've been brought up on aspects of true crime. This could yeah. happen to you. Here's what you do to and avoid it. My partner does not like it when I go walking out downtown. <laughs> she, yeah. She's not a fan. She's like, I don't want you to walk around. Uh, even even uh, even Bill is like, uh, when, when we've gone out drinking or something, he's like, let me give you a ride home. It's like, well, it's cold. But but a lot of times I just want to walk. So, I mean, I... I I think that there's a wonderful headspace out there. I think it's oh, yeah. pretty safe. I mean, people get shot sometimes, but by typically by people they know. Shucks. For the for the most part, I'm sure when you go out walking, you don't see anybody at all. I don't see many people. I'm more likely to have I walk somewhere where I'm less likely to have cars drive by, but I am more likely sure. to have somebody drive by than walk by. Sure. For uh, example, what do you Go on. How much mace? No, do you have? Just, <laughs> How many guns do you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? That was exactly my question. I what will say do that I have? do walk with with items of self protection on my person. Yeah, yes. sure. good. It, but good. at the same time, yeah. I'm also going to fight like hell. And again, sure. when I was like nine years old, I got away from a dude trying to get me in his car. I just like. You don't forget that. So I feel like. I am going to, as long as I'm paying attention, as long as you go out understanding that there is a risk. And the simple fact of the matter is if I walk in the middle of the day, there's still a risk. Yep. There was, I think her name is Jacine Galinsky, I want to say. This happened about name. 96, 97. And she was out walking at a public park here. I live near Garden of the Gods. And 
I'm not walking there. So again, you can't stalk me there. But <laughs> but she was out for a walk. And once again, we have the vehicle bump. It was two guys in a van or, or I think it was a van. And they bumped her. They ran into her, mm-hmm. made it act seem like an accident and said, get in the van. We'll take you to the hospital. You know, that sort of thing. So that was broad daylight. So is our people not allowed to walk during the day? You know, so there are inherent yeah. risks to everything we do. We have to measure mm-hmm. those risks. We have to measure how prepared we think we are for those risks. And that's humans in general. That's not just women. That's that's men and women have to analyze those risks when they're going to do stuff. I just think that it gets pounded into women in a different sort of way. And that sure. makes us more open to being interested in true crime. Maybe not the right. best verbiage, but I understand. what. You're- yeah. So, and, and it's all but legal <laughs> to run somebody over at, at this point. So it's, it doesn't, that doesn't even matter. Um, yeah, I, I, it's like the most dangerous thing for walking the way I always experienced the world was, you know, getting hit by a car and you I got hit by a car. No, I mean, yeah, I got hit by a cabbie once, uh, but I was pretty wasted. Yeah. So I didn't, just, I didn't like, do it. Relaxed it off. <laughs> it's kind of like it was I mean, a I, tap. It was a tap. It was a, it was a love tap. That I, I also go I hiking by myself, and that is very yeah. frowned on as well. That's sure. during the day, but yeah, you know, again, I get told, oh, as a woman, you shouldn't go hiking alone. I'm like, it's anybody true. can get murdered on a hiking trail, <laughs> and it's I'm true. not going to live my life by what y'all tell me I should or shouldn't do. Gotta, I'm just prepared. <laughs> It's, no. it's um, you know, it's a wonderful way to find some headspace. Uh, where do you it, uh, find your creative headspace uh, when starting a new book or or a new short story? So often I sit down to write when I've I've gotten the inspiration or something. Something has triggered an idea. Could be something I read. Mm. Could be some weird question. I ask a lot of weird questions in life, and so a lot of those lead to story things. One of those, I was a precocious kid. I wouldn't say I'm any less precocious as an adult in that sort of thing to ask a question that somebody might not expect you to and try and get deep into it. Uh, My poor husband gets the brunt of that. (laughs) We're watching a movie or something like that. He's got, he knows it's going to come. So (laughs) he's going to get asked these questions and be like, I don't know how to answer your questions. I am. I think it's clear now, right? I'm a big walker. Like mm. you said, it's great for clearing your headspace. It's great for depression. It's great for a lot of things. It's also great for generating ideas or working on ideas you already have. And because you're shutting out a lot of other things, right? Like I, I, I'm lucky to have a bunch of parks near me where you can hike. There's even some rock climbing and stuff like that near me. Mm. It's one good thing. Colorado Springs has plenty of things against it. Yeah. Believe me. Really? Uh, but... Mm. Uh, Religiously and politically, we'll say. Oh man, <laughs> uh, this is the home of focus on the family and and some groups like that. But um, it's absolutely gorgeous, and that's why people keep coming here, right? Like it's beautiful here. You can hike in the middle of that. There's places in the city that you can hike because they've protected stuff, and so mm. I like to just go out there and get into whatever headset I need to write what I'm going to write, <clears throat> but. Since I also am at my best at night, period. I mean, like, not just in terms of creativity, but energy and productivity. I'm writing in the middle of the night, and I, I, I can't hurt when you're writing horror and you're the only person up and the house is making its little sounds. And, and 
the cats are moving stealthily around the house to make random noises. It's true. Yeah, sorry about the cat. She's persistent. Uh, yeah, so embracing the night, just to be dramatic about it. Turns out I'm a little dramatic. Um, this has been a struggle for me. Uh, I'm going to categorize people, as is my custom. You got larks, and you got the night owls. I'm sure there's someone else involved. Uh, I am not a lark at all. Now, where I come from, that means I'm lazy, right? Yeah. Uh, when I say where I come from, I'm talking about a physical state, right? So we can define it in many ways. If you don't do the nine to five, you are lazy you know or you feel lazy that perhaps this is a uh, who knows a what a, whatever it is my natural state is at night yep. and uh one of my roommates was like why don't you just embrace it embrace the fact that you wake at noon and the rest of the country because i'm in los angeles the rest of the country is <laughs> their days over with right they're done just embrace it go you there forth rock and roll and i have had a devil of a time doing that so how do you do it no oh, man this is something that i could definitely like even rant about right because i'm so tired of that mentality but i understand right i've i've gotten it the same and it's funny because anybody who now who's worked with me in any way is like okay you're not lazy <laughs> i'm very productive in the hours that i am productive i get so much done it, it, mm. I have a day job, which is actually two jobs that were combined for me that I took separately as a contractor. Mm. And then they said, could you please just come work for us <laughs> like a normal employee and do this? And I said, absolutely. But I was a contractor because my hours are off. It took mm. me until my mid 40s to finally stand up for myself is what I'm saying and say, mm. I am not going to take a job that requires me to be at 8 up at 8 a.m because I can perform for you better if I'm doing it in my productive hours. And if you go back to the people who like to argue about it online, they're like, listen, there had to be cavemen that stayed up at night to guard the cave. And that's where we came from biologically. I have no idea, but I think that there is a purpose and there's always night jobs, right? There's always things that need to be done at night. And, and those people, and are hit the same things that just a night person runs into where business is conducted during certain hours and a lot of types of businesses are open just for certain hours and stuff. So you're going to run into that. I do like that there are some 24 hour places, but it's also bad that I can go at like three o'clock in the morning and get it, get some Whataburger or something. <laughs> but I want for, for, for the East coast. Could you tell what a Whataburger is? Whataburger is? I did not know until oh. I came out here. Actually, until okay, I came, so uh, until I went through Texas, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Texas-based, right? I'm surprised it took so long to get to Colorado. We're really not that far, but Colorado and Texas are like, so. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a fast food burger joint. I, I've got, I like the honey butter, honey butter chicken biscuit is what I get because they start breakfast at 11 p.m. <laughs> so nice. I can go get me a honey butter chicken biscuit and it's grilled. Here's a, here's a question. Uh, Colorado has in and out, right? We do now. Yeah. Okay. So which one's better? Oh man. <laughs> uh oh. 
I'm going to preface this with, this is funny because I am actually, I was born in California. My husband was born in Texas and here we ended up in Colorado. Yeah. I normal. prefer DMZ. That, huh? Do I what? prefer Whataburger. Dude, Do so this is, Ken, what do you think? What do you think? I like Astro Burger. Oh, fuck you. It's <laughs> a cop out. You got to choose one. <laughs> I don't think I've eaten at either one of them. I, I, really? Yeah, I don't think I've. I mean, I've I've had in and they support I mean, I was, more. I was, you don't burger is so much better than In and Out. Uh, it's not even funny. I mean, like, meh. What? <clears throat> All right, so you just pissed off half the country, but whatever. I know. I, I... <laughs> what a burger! All right, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I come from I come from a place that has neither one of these. Uh, the Big Lebowski has In and Out, and so I knew about it. That was it. Okay. Oh, okay. that's it. Hey. That's how I knew. That's how I knew what it was. We have a themed restaurant here. Well, yeah, you do, and you should go. God damn it! Uh, I'm having my book launch there, so I'm totally going. So. <laughs> oh really? Uh, t- tell us about your book launch. I don't have a date for it yet. I'm still talking to them. But my book comes mm. out March 26th, and I'll be doing a book launch at Lebowski's Tap Room in, in April. Fuck so. yeah! And we went there, and I was like, oh, this place is great. So they have oh, like it's awesome. eight and varieties the, the, of the white Russian. Okay. <laughs> you know why? Of course. Name of, of course. It's called the Caucasian. The name of your book coming out. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Pimpin' It. Is uh, called... <laughs> it's Myth Soccer Wendigo Nights. It's actually urban fantasy versus horror. Urban fantasy is fantasy with elements of horror. If you want to really boil it and make it simple, but yeah. Could you say uh, all that uh, again? I'm a little bit drunk, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Myth Soccer Wendigo Nights. It releases Myth March 20. Soccer Wendigo Nights. Wendigo Nights. Yeah. Yep. So I am part Cherokee. I and so my character is also. I see. And in the series of books. Oh, Myth Stalker. I see. So her job is <laughs> is to hunt down uh, creatures of indigenous lore, basically. So this first one is about Wendigo, but there are a couple others that make little that pop up, though, in there because she's surrounded by people who kind of do this also for a living, Just take care of these problems that people don't acknowledge are real. So, so is I this coming thing from? <laughs> is this is this coming from uh your background of like creeping around at night uh <laughs> on your nightly walks i mean are, are, is there some inspiration does does uh does she uh she looks she looks dangerous she's got a gun um <clears throat> yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't approach her like if i saw her standing somewhere at, at night, night i would i would give her like I would, I would approach her. I would approach her. <laughs> and you would hit her with were, your car. If I were single, I would approach her. <laughs> uh, Look. So, so, uh, can can you give us a little uh, background of what 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 inspired this book? Yeah, just really, it it really came from. I got frustrated because when you see people making movies and writing stories about creatures that are from native lore they Mm. don't even try to get it right like they don't even try to actually match it up with with what the actual lore is and it drives me nuts 
having said that, since this book is about Wendigo, I love the movie Ravenous. <laughs> but if anybody's seen that, it's fantastic. And I came across a actually like a call it a paper from a professor professor, and that's one of the two movies that they use. Uh, the professor. I'm not going to remember the right tribe right now. It was not Cree. It was one of the Algonquian tribes, I believe. But anyway, she teaches classes on native lore, and she specifically addresses Wendigo because it's a huge part of Northern and First Nations lore. And she uses Ravenous, and she uses, I think the movie just called The Wendigo. And it has, has the man who played the husband in the TV show, Medium. I don't remember his name, mm. but anyway... She uses those to teach people and give them a concept of it. But anyway, it was frustration with that and and just wanting to have this this badass female character who's out there taking care of it, taking care of things that people don't want to acknowledge are real. And but also to try to be as true to the lore as I could be. I have three statements. I don't know if they're questions. <sighs> Prepare. All right. First. <clears throat> the blanket behind you, which was stitched <laughs> potentially crocheted. crocheted by whom? My grandmother. In the, <laughs> I'm in my right, bedroom. <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, I love it. I love it. Uh, I, my my mother has a couple of those. I want I want a story. God damn it! I want a story about it. All right. Two. Are you interested in consulting for? people that are doing movies perhaps all the usc students who are into horror and all of that good stuff because you know all of them listen to this podcast but they might they might i would say that in general i tend to not offer myself as a consultant on indigenous matters because i feel that should be left to those who have more fully lived the life as in i did not grow up on a reservation for example because you point will never... a direction is that yeah. You point I, the right direction. Do you get do you get the connection? I could, yeah. I could I have some friends that might be willing to. Yes. So right. there is that. So they should contact but, you in the yeah, event. Oh, oh, maybe. <laughs> it depends. Because here's the thing about consulting. I will say this since I'm not the one who's going to be do the doing the consulting. Indigenous folks get hit up a lot. Mm. Or um, I get I turn down a lot of people because, I, I, like I said, I will not speak for people who I think have lived in the culture more than I have. Mm. My character, I make a big point of my character being in the same situation as I am. I am not going to tromp over somebody else's ground that way. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it would sure. be inappropriate. But I am constantly asked, hey, will you what is the word? It's not sympathy read. Uh it's the same thing like if you have a character with LGBTQ, you would then want somebody LGBTQ plus to read this character, right? And I'm losing the term, but there is a term for it. I get it a lot. Hey, I have this Native American character. Will you yeah, read it? Well, first of all, what uh, if your character is Cree or whatever? Like, I'm not Cree, and so I cannot speak to that culture. <laughs> no. So there is an expectation that if you're going to hit somebody up to consult on things, then you need to be willing to offer them compensation because this is taking their time and it's taking their uh, their energy their emotional energy their creative energy etc so i'm just so throwing someone that out is there going, if someone is going to hit you up they need to pay for your time oh 
Yes, but I will All not right. be consulting on it. But I'm just saying, if I were to refer people to somebody, they should be willing to offer, if if not to reciprocate in some way, they should be able, willing to compensate somebody for their time. It's kind of a big contentious thing. And the, that's why I throw it out there. But no, 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 I, I, I love say, it. I, I'm constantly. <clears throat> I'm not surprised by it. Uh, I'm not surprised, but I don't know about it because, you know, I come from the Caucasus Mountains, man. All right. Third thing. Okay. I was going to say one thing I did. I Go even had some of my friends who were also indigenous read it in my book for the, you know, same thing. Sure. So you did have them. I did have friends who are indigenous yeah. also read the book to say like, Hey, do you think I hit these notes? Right. Hey, do you think that I overstepped in any way? So. Mm. Even I had to do that. So <laughs> just to throw that out there, like I felt that was right. But well, here in a second, we're going to talk about cultural appropriation because Ken brought it <laughs> up. He'll he'll oh. he'll he'll move it to somewhere else. But my last idea, my last thought. Writing. Uh, we're going to go with a gender uh, writing a woman. Protagonist. How did you do that as as a woman? How can you write? No, I'm just, okay, sorry. <laughs> Actually, it works perfectly fine. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some background real quick. Uh, of the the GGP, Ken is the more liberal. I don't know if you've guessed it. I I'm not. So please go full ham on everything you say. Go. About wait about what? Exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> writing writing. Uh, so you're writing a female character. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Because I love to assume. I love to assume. Protagonist, and you're a female. Uh, that that's not the that's not the gender. I don't know. <laughs> Where's my question? I do. I don't know what your question is. <laughs> Yes, my yeah, the, the the identifications. Lord. Your pronouns. How does you're you're going for pronouns? Did you did you did you did you watch as good as it gets? I that's love the that the Jack Nicholson one. Jack, oh my yeah. god, that's a great one. Yeah, the one that's where they ask him, "How do you write a woman?" Now I'm not saying that uh, that's actually a terrible thing to say. <laughs> that is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I take it's away funny. logic and it's and. Funny. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Why I you out me like that's this? What I remembered. <laughs> but the whole the reason it works though is because Jack Nicholson's character is OCD and can't feel. Yeah, he's he, he's horribly uh, unattuned, which is why he can say that, right? But in reality, he's human, so he of course he can be in the human condition. There's a deeper meaning. What I'm trying to say is, how do you write this character? And I'm leading, maybe not so subtly, into how do you write people that are not you? And I'm yeah. leading with my previous <laughs> statement into I don't buy into the cultural appropriation. And I don't buy into any of that bullshit. So I'm wondering your perspective on all of this. Go. Well, are you trying to lose me, readers? Or is that your goal? No, here? I'm trying to no, no, no. I think I, that is I, one I, of I'm his goals. Villain. I think I'm the villain. He, he doesn't no, want to sell any guy. of his books either. I'm the villain. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I, okay. So it's a big boy. Attack, attack it from any and every part you want. However, 
So the whole write what you know is pretty much bullshit, right? Or we would have mm. no fiction if everybody wrote only what they'd experienced in their lives. <laughs> and sure, people have crazy lives. And so there could be some interesting stories, but we would not have speculative fiction at all mm. in general. <laughs> so you've We'd have not a lot of any mythical creatures. You've not killed any mythical creatures. Well, not. Uh, <laughs> not at this time. <laughs> so I, I grew up believing in Sasquatch because uh, I was I lived in Oregon as well. And that's a big PNW thing. Right. But what's PNW? Uh, Pacific Northwest. Sorry. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, so that was the thing I believed in when I was younger. Do I believe in it now? Boy, I want to. This Question? is not part of what's OK. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Pen. Does a Sasquatch talk? No. Wouldn't it be fun if it did? It, <laughs> it's I, an evil villain. <laughs> you know, it's... The I have a villain. Is, the, the sad thing is I have a, a short film that features a Sasquatch that, that talks for about 15 minutes. So oh, it's not me. That's, <laughs> that's what fiction is for. <laughs> no. Continue, please. I'm sorry. I keep on okay. interrupting. So, all right. Cultural appropriation. I feel that it's this is an insanely tricky time. And again, I have pointed out that even for me, I have tiptoed and I have tried to cover my bases, right? Because I only represent a small portion of a certain community. And it's I different do not want for to me. I represent like 90%. It's 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 difficult being the majority. All right, it's difficult. <laughs> You're not the majority, though. You're so not white. the majority. <laughs> I can't help myself. I have to mansplain. Continue, sir. Have to mansplain. So, yeah, I can't even give you a right answer. That's the thing is that I'm still trying to find my way through it. I do believe that you can be disrespectful and that is what i would consider kind of the cultural appropriation it being mm. mocking not doing your research and learning anything about what you're writing about would be like oh my god the number of people who wrote to me and said my daughter's dressing up as pocahontas for halloween is that allowed and i was like allowed what do you mean by allowed is that okay well even if i'm okay with it I'm one voice among a sea of many yeah. that could be hurt by it. You know, they have shown through studies that, Ooh, here we go. I guess let, let's just get rid of all my, all my readers. Um, <laughs> they have shown that mascots, for example, the native mascots do do psychological damage and do cause harm for kid youth, indigenous youth. So They've been looking into that, and but a lot of people don't want to hear it. And somehow, a mascot is more important than a a group of an entire community of children's psychological well-being and place in the you know. So like, that's the thing. Everybody's going to have a different response to anything, and you can't speak for a bunch of people. What you can do, in my opinion, is to try to be respectful and do your research. And to me, that's how you avoid cultural appropriation type stuff, right? But as far as cultural appropriation, that one's tricky, and I, I wouldn't have be able to answer that. <laughs> and that's why we have, hmm. but Continue. okay, yeah. And so, just I was just gonna say again, it's a, it's just a fine line, and it's respecting fellow human beings is what it comes down to for me. And yep. um, I don't want to, I just don't want to cause anybody harm, 
in anything I do. And I would hope other people would feel the same way. And that's kind of how I would, I approach it and would hope others would approach it. Mm. But my problem is with buzzwords and cultural appropriation is a buzzword. It's been, it's been weaponized as they are. It's been buzzed. That's why it's been buzzed. And once my thing is, once they become a buzzword, they lose their power and and they blur the conversation they murk it, the water, blurs. Right? it, it blurs. does blur though because suddenly it's an insult it's 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 in my opinion it is used by people to shut down conversations instead of yeah and i don't believe come that to my son come <laughs> to oh, my no. son no <laughs> what i'm saying but I just, I do tire of things that become buzzwords and are you like, okay, you use mansplaining. I mean, the whole definition sure. of that was intended to be when a man talks to a woman who is equally or more, more qualified and explains to her the things she knows. And yep. I have seen, I am, I have seen womansplaining, but mansplaining suddenly became about shutting down a man who talked about anything, right? Like if you happen to have a different opinion or something or voiced an opinion when it wasn't asked for, maybe that's what I see it a lot. I have seen so many women use it as just a way to shut down the conversation. And that's now, now it so everyone knows, everyone knows I am paying Shannon to say all of this, <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I'm saying is these things to me are real things. It's just that they've been turned into something they're not and weaponized right. to shut down conversations. Right. But I would hope again that people would be conscious of what they're doing. And if they're writing about another culture or another uh, gender is trickier, you know, like mm. I've wrote a lot of male characters. But yeah, it is. And I've read, of course, a ton of books by men. I, I would say that I had, at least until a certain point, read mostly books by men, especially in horror. Uh, that's why I did this top 100 horror list that I read. It introduced me to people I hadn't discovered. And mm. like Margaret Where Atwood. can we find it? Uh, it was Nightmare website, Magazine. So I think if you search Nightmare Magazine and it was like top 100 horror, you might be able to find it. But if not, I think I could dig into my blog and find it from when I did it because I was actively Ooh. blogging then. Is your blog on I'm your just... website? Yeah, it is. My blog, blog is my website. Okay. It's the same thing. Okay. I thought it was on there. I, 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 when I was doing research on you, I definitely ran into it. So it's very findable. Um, yeah. I did, I did have a question about how you found uh, the the creatures or I'm not entirely sure uh, for, for, and, and, and who's, what, what is uh, the lead character's name in Mythstalker Wendigo Nights? Uh, Selena. Selena. So uh, the, the creatures that she runs into, uh, you said they were native based. Yeah, it's from native lore, basically things that have been around for a long time. Cause even Sasquatch has a lot of, indigenous origins but it's not just an indigenous lore right it's u.s lore really so that and, is and what i kind of hit on so where 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 is this lore coming from where what did you kind of uh, for me it was it was you know like oral tradition type stuff it's just it's just somehow the stuff that i haven't across and heard about so mm -hmm. it's 
it's weird because, say, Windigo, for example, um, is really a First Nations, it's Cree and and related tribes, we'll say, because I don't want to leave anybody out and I don't want to say anything wrong about, like, pulling the wrong one, but it leaked down into the U.S. And so mm -hmm. it started up there because, let me give a little background to um, Wendigo, the main way that one would become possessed by this Manitou or this spirit is cannibalism. And I've noticed a lot of native lore villains are based on taboo things because, mm -hmm. say, a skinwalker, which would be Dene or Navajo, is somebody who often has committed a crime against family. So, for example, murdered a family member. So, so it's it, it, they hit taboo things that human beings do, but they take a certain amount of, of fault onto that person versus the way that I think European communities have long kind of used monsters like, say, a werewolf to excuse people for their worst acts. It's this interesting opposition that I've noticed between the two. And it's like a werewolf, you are a hapless victim, you can't control yourself, you're killing... But in native lore, they're like, well, they brought it on themselves. And then look at the bad things they're doing still. And it's it's this it's very different how you like taking responsibility for something. I find that interesting, an interesting dis like difference there. And is, yeah. is that and how how does she hunt them down? Is it is it are there clues or there is it like a process? We'll say there's a mystery aspect to the story. Yeah, so, okay. uh, yeah, and, and she's trying to hunt down uh, an originator of this, somebody mm -hmm. who's brought this down on themselves and others to take that person, take them now, out. Is she is she a uh, family too? Who like is is she in in the circle of what she's looking for, or like part of the family, or is she like a for hire? Uh, he is brought in by her mentor, who uh -huh. uh, uh, is not family by blood, but is kind of family by circumstance in her mm. past. And okay. he brings her into the situation to track down somebody who is not like uh, that, that is an outside. And he's yeah. he's going to do it. He's willing to pay her fee to do it. So she is brought in on a, for hire by somebody close to her. And it is to save somebody close to her. Sure, sure. And, um, and, and is, is there magic in this world? Is this a magical thing, or is it is it like a suspension of disbelief, or or does the story, like, is it firmly rooted in the reality of of where we are? I mean, today as so, urban fantasy kind of plants a foot on both sides of this line, right? It, it, typical fantasy, say elves and, and that sort of thing is firmly in a fantasy realm, right? But urban fantasy, the whole urban part of that is that it brings it into the now, often in a big city or something like that, a familiar place that, that can play up the city as part of the story. And so there are fantasy elements, obviously the lore itself, she also has abilities, so Mistalker is something you're born to in in this. Mm. And so there are elements of like 
uh, we'll say special powers, not like a superhero, but she has sure. like enhanced senses and yeah. healing abilities, that sort of thing. And is there is there sexy a sex scene? I mean, because she's very attractive, so I would imagine <laughs> having a little spicy uh, content in there. I will say there <laughs> is a sex scene in there, yes. Nice. I mean, that's selling. I mean, that's selling in and and fiction right now. That's that's like I was. We that's were talking about it's 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 very it's very hot. So, um, like, is this the first in a series uh, that you're planning? Um, it's intended to be the first in a series. So, right. should be going different places each time, chasing something different. Ooh, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Do you need someone to record an audiobook? Why do you do that? I do. However, and this goes back into my question. It's all about my questions. <laughs> uh, the idea of an audio book <laughs> done in the voice of a dude, but the audio book was written by not a dude, and it's about not you a dude. You that for your villain. It, was like, <laughs> it would have to be a female reading it. Female. I mean, we have audio equipment. I could act like I do know some act actors who are female who would uh throw it down in the event you need a voice. You're in the you're in the right place for it. I I did want to say that going back to cultural appropriation that it is not limited to. I mean, I, we we are from Appalachian, and if I wrote books, weren't a part of Appalachia, okay? If I, if we I are wrote appropriating book, all of on, the other peoples. I, I live I live really close. My family is from, uh, you know, Breathitt County. Uh, we <laughs> that's just can't help it. I just do it. Uh, my my family's from Breathitt County, uh, the mountains. We're we're Woo! hill people, and um. <laughs> <laughs> we we um if if i were to write a book on mountain top removal or or appalachian life like it would not be accepted uh, just like the hillbilly lg guy i mean like he was not accepted by you know true hillbillies like he was an outsider even even that any and he certainly brought a lot of negative press uh to it so like i i think you know, we have terms like that. If I wrote that book, it would be a form of cultural appropriation because I didn't live that life. You're absolutely um, right, and that. But and one would hope, if you chose to do it, <laughs> that you would. But I mean, it would be for altruistic re re reasons because I feel like coal is, you know, it 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 sickens the people around. The mountain. I, I know this is very. This is where Ken and I disagree. By the way, uh, it, it, if you can't drink the water near near a coal mine, you can't. Uh, it doesn't really bring jobs into town uh, that that pay very well, and it's just a. It's it is a it is an endless uh, endless amount of of terror for everyone involved. It's like the ocean. But, yeah, it's like the ocean. But I mean, we do that anyway. To like in every aspect of our lives, it is uh, it is so the cultural horror appropriation. That we don't, cultural we don't. appropriation. What before I say the statement that I'm going to say? You know, I'll just say the statement. Cultural appropriation is bullshit. All right. So 
as okay, we but mentioned, you already said yes. that, but I'm going to ask you though, to my point that I made in response to it, how do you yes. feel about that? Like, is it just the, is it just the buzzword that turns you off? Is that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that, I think, I think that's that, that little tidbit that, that tidbits the wrong word that what's the word I'm looking for. Hmm. I'm trying to be. I'm trying. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be eloquent. Yeah. I can't be. I mean, that it's, tidbit it's, that you had was was so good. That little turn of phrase of, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ken. Okay. The idea of Shannon when you said when you mentioned something like it's a term that then becomes a buzzword and it loses. Yeah. What the, like the entire reason that it was a thing. Yeah, somebody says woke or canceled or yeah. incel. I mean, I mean, I, I stick by incel. I'm going to keep that one. I mean, they're, <laughs> well, they, they they're claim it. They a claim group it. that call themselves. They are a cult. Really so, they're a cult. Uh, yeah. And there's a horror book coming out soon. I'm sure. Oh. I'm sure, Shannon Lawrence. This should be maybe about <clears throat> horror and incels. Uh, oh my god. The idea of of uh cultural appropriation so my argument is a little flaccid see what i did there um we are oh god i can't believe i'm about to say it. we're humans we are and best case scenario in my humble est of opinions is that we realize it that we are we are humans and the other could be someone else maybe um non-humans <laughs> let's let's attack the aliens that we don't know about you will. <laughs> uh that would be awesome if we could treat each other like humans and part of that is yeah there's different cultures so you experience them and you're a white dude who moves to japan and you put on a fucking kimono and you look like a goddamn goofball. And you are, in fact, appropriating that culture. Go fuck yourself. Yes, because that's what we do. If, you, if we have these roadblocks, these fences, we'll say, that say, no, 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 no. This is our culture. Go fuck yourself. Your culture, my ass. You were born into that shit. It's not, you don't own it. You don't fucking own that. The whole point of what we're doing in this life is to understand is to appropriate. We're in goddamn America, motherfuckers. That's what we do. Yeah, we appropriate. I mean, we would have never had vanilla ice if, uh, you know, even vanilla oh ice God. apologized. Okay. He <laughs> apologized. <laughs> Maybe like throw out some Eminem or somebody who's like, yeah, no, I mean, Eminem never apologized. Eminem. No, he should. And he was like, you know, you know, who did shouldn't. it for me? It was vanilla ice. He got me, uh, he got me started. Well, uh, I know. I don't know. I really listen. Don't know I like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, as well. Okay, go. I remember go, that baby. song. That that was oh a, that was the epic song. You Who know? song? When you were eight, or in your yeah. case, maybe fifteen. I I remember Look. listening to it and thinking after the second time I listened to it, I was like, wait a second, this song is wait. not as good as I think. That's because you're smart. <laughs> uh, but I was eight, and I, I didn't have that feeling. 
So Shannon, yeah. where, where I'm going with this is that's the reason I have a point of contention about it. What does the term, what is it at? What's the benefit of the term? Cultural appropriation. What is it actually protecting or, I mean, or saying, Hey, signal origins, right? When you look at origins, it's meant to just bring awareness to an issue, right? A harm, something that it is problematic in some way. Then again, it gets blown up and it becomes this ugly alternate thing that will instantly shut down any conversation on anybody's part. And so, yeah, it's dead now, right? But as you said, your example of somebody moving to Japan and starting to wear clothes and stuff like that. A corny white guy, back. specifically, by the way. <laughs> it's always yeah, going to come back. But what does it matter? I mean, what if it... Right. I'm like, sorry, continue. Be able to do it. From any, anybody should be able to do it. I mean, look at the fighting Irish. There are people who don't love that as a representation of the Irish who also came to the U.S. and they got beat up where they were, then they came here and they got beat up here. <laughs> Watch yeah, but the Irish York. love it. The Irish love it, though. Not all of them do. Yeah, no, all of them. All of them do. Hey, chat, if there's an Irish person who doesn't, if there's a, a, one of my roommates. I mean, I'm Irish. I don't don't necessarily, you know, you're not Irish. I am Scottish, Irish, Irish, English. I'm a. You're not Irish. You can't be everything. I'm like a 33%. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm a 20% Irish, 20% English, 20% (laughs) Scottish, and like 40%. Shannon, what 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 are you when it comes to uh, ethnicity and culture and all that good stuff? Am I? I'm not. I'm not. I'm also a mutt. Uh, I'm not going to give out out percentages. Because a, I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but B, people are German, nasty about right? blood quantum stuff, and so that's nobody's right to know ever or yeah. ask. Oh man, that's that's a does hor- attack a lot. That's so. a horror thing in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that's no. that's the point. So <laughs> I went I went to I went to Dublin, and with one of my very very sweetest friends, uh, a guy named Waka, very cool guy. He took me through. Anyway, we went to Dublin, and we're rolling around. Everyone is incredibly nice until they heard my accent, and then they got all salty, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck with you." Which was awesome. When they, when they heard your accent trying to be Irish? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, the entire time I was attempting to. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, hey, uh, what are the sights? And they're like, oh, the fucking spike. And I was like, spike? I can't do an Irish accent. Like, what spike? In, in Dublin, there's like this big pylon. It's a big spike. And like, yeah, the fucking spike over there. Anyway, regardless. I said, yeah, so, um, you know, I'm rather Irish. Look at me. And the woman, she said, oh, were you born in Ireland? I said, well, no. And she said, oh, do you have an Irish passport then? Well, well, no. Do you know anything about Ireland? I was like, you're a fucking leprechaun, you fucking... Probably some fake things. (laughs) You see what I'm saying, though? She was like, listen, I understand that your, your, your ancestry is Irish, but you're not Irish. Right. She was not that polite. Oh. 
Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. It was great. And then she told me where the nearest pub is where I can go get some fucking Guinness and like some Lucky Charms. And I was like, yeah, hey, you needed you needed a drink after drink. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I, I'm just gonna say, I just again, it for me it comes down fully to what your intentions are and what for effort you put into it and whether uh. you're being respectful or mocking and disrespectful for anything. Yeah, right. Like absolutely. I just want to belong, dude. Are different about I... where we came Don't. from. Right? Everybody knows where we came from, and everybody else is just like, "Yeah, I came from here. I'm from here. This is my place. I'm Irish because I'm Irish." And we're like, "I'm part Irish too." And uh, I mean, my name is Shannon Lawrence. But my maiden name was uh, was German. So, mm -hmm. like, I sound very Irish by name because yeah. my name yeah, is yeah, Shannon. Yeah. And if you go to Ireland, I'm gonna hear my name everywhere. It's an airport, right. it's a river, there's a right. I am not Irish. And it'll be spelled with like 10 or 12 different letters. Right? My ancestors, yes, I have some from Ireland. So yeah, it's just, we're weird in the US about stuff like that. And I think that we, well, we are. really we think are. we're from other places about other countries and how we look at that. I think part of that is if you're born in Ireland and you are you come from an Irish family, you have traditions. And a lot of that just kind of went, got tossed right up in the air here in the US. Mm. If you're already here, it got stolen, it, you know, like stolen from you because, you know, it was illegal to practice like a lot of indigenous uh, traditions and religious ceremonies and stuff until not that long ago. So it literally yeah. was stolen. Like you are not allowed to do this or you will get in legal trouble. Mm. So that's what I mean by that. Not. <laughs> I understand. Not no Irish need apply. I get it. But, but then when everybody came here they lost those connections and it's like we've passed down trying to keep those connections in some way and so yeah i don't have answers to that but we so are in a way guy. it's good to remember it's good to remember who we are and i this is this is what i'm getting at like mm -hmm. all right so one of my buddies uh who i think is also your buddy ken uh mr bow list you know talk about Bo is an amazing dude. Friend. It's fine. I'm a bad friend. Uh, <laughs> he is a director. That. He's a director and a writer and all sorts of things. I'm going to throw lots of good shit at Bo List. If you don't know him, <laughs> you should check him out. The dude rocks. Theater, drama, etc., etc., etc. Huge proponent for many things in Kentucky. Uh, point. Bo was telling me a story. And he was like, oh, yeah, so it turns out that I am related, he says, as in he is talking about himself. He is related to Muhammad Ali. Now, with oh, Cassius right. Clay, we're getting at or <laughs> you're getting you're right there. You're right there. So Cassius Clay, there was this whole thing in the Clay family that they are related to Henry Clay. Now, if you don't know who Henry Clay is, perfectly fine. Henry Clay is a big dog uh, in Kentucky. Well, he, okay. he was the person that, that um, basically stopped the first Civil War from happening. It, they, he came up with this thing called the Great Compromise, which basically said the South can keep having states and the North can have slaves <clears throat> and uh, postponed the Civil War for 15 years. He was the Secretary of State at one point i think he ran for president and i believe he was killed in a duel I yeah it makes sense it's probably over like you know cole anyway the point is come on that was a throwback callback 
Uh, Henry Clay, whether he's a good guy or bad guy, probably not the best of guys. To no. be completely, I think he died in 1850. That's just in my mind. Point is, he's a big deal in. His name is Henry Clay, by the way. Yeah. So, as you might imagine, Patrick Cassius Clay. Clay, people were like, oh, well, they were just slaves, and so they, they took the name. Well, they were like, no, uh, turns out we're direct descendants. Well, as it turns out, according to my, my, my good friend, Bo List, which I'm going to throw his name down because he's, he's that good, someone approaches him. They're like, listen, we need your blood. We're going to do a genetic test, and it's it's the last bit of research. Uh, and if if the genetic hoodoo works, it turns out we can actually prove Cassius Clay and his entire family are direct descendants of Henry Clay. So, you know the obvious. Otherwise, it would not be a good story. <laughs> Bo does the thing. Of course, it's 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 approved. It's 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 verified. He goes to Louisville, which is the proper way of saying the, uh, the name of that city. No, it's called Louisville. Louisville. He goes to Louisville. Louisville. Goes to this sort of award ceremony. Uh, call it a family reunion. And he describes, like Bo is sitting there. He's not crying, but it's obviously a moment. Of all these people, and when I say all, I mean all, and one of them is Muhammad Ali's brother, who I believe is afflicted with the same disease. I think it's Parkinson's, I think. Anyway, by the end of it, uh, the brother, whose name I, I can't remember, um, tells him we're family. Bo is the whitest motherfucker you'll ever meet. My point. We ain't white, y'all. Uh, actually, that's what I, I enjoy and like really awful racist people is when like they discover, like do a test and discover that they're not even pure. <laughs> we're, just, we're just, we're just, we're just fucking humans. You don't want to be pure. Discover. If you're pure, you're, 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 you're genetically you probably got, flawed. You probably got right. some genetic issues for sure. Yeah. That's right. I have a whole theory about accents that has no, again, no scientific basis. But I, because you know, like they're always like, why do people love accents so much? Why are accents hot? And I was like, I feel like that's a biological imperative. Your brain knows if they have a different accent mm. from you, that it's probably not your cousin. I like that. <laughs> so that's, that's my theory with that. That's nice. Yeah. Which is neither here nor there and has nothing to do with what we're discussing. Okay. But no, that does. Buck Mud says, I don't want to be pure. I'm not. And I'm not. <laughs> not pure. Uh, Buck Mud, I know for a fact, love horror. Uh, Shannon, I know you've written a ton of books and, and, and such. What is the thing that he should read? Like the first horror? thing of yours. That he should read. Uh, I'd say but Blue Sludge Blues and other abominations is a fun one. So is, is right. it's a collection of short stories for me, but it leans more toward what people would consider the classic horror away from the psychological. Like more stabby stab? 
Unless... Yeah, more gore, more... And I'm not, again, I'm not an extreme horror author, so I'm not saying, yeah. like, buckets of blood or anything like that. Yeah. But, yeah, that one's more along so, those classic lines. So Buck I'm... is the person who told me, who introduced me to Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, yeah. And I believe uh, horror, or no, The Haunted, maybe is what it's called. It's, I think it's a bunch of short, short stories. There's one specific one that he he showed me, and I was like, holy shit. The cover of the book is a dude doing this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. So I wrote a, a tabletop role-playing game. Um, have you ever played those sorts of games? I have not. I am... Mm. Well, I've played some loose ones that are like via cards, but yeah, like what? I haven't played Werewolf yet. I have that, but no, I've um, I'm trying to play Werewolf. Werewolf is fun. I have it to play. I just haven't done it yet because I want to. It's fun. And I'm supposed to play. I have a friend who made a 50 at 50 list because she just turned 50, and she wants to play D and D. So I agreed to play D and D's. D and D's a good one. D&D is a good one. Everybody knows that's it. That's not happened yet. Now, I'll say this. I'll say this about D&D. Of course, I think people should play because it's a good in. Ugh, it's not a good introduction. D&D is like the calculus of tabletop role playing games. It's just that everybody knows the word. Right. You know, calculus is is actually complicated math, right? Arithmetic is easier or it's a simpler idea. Arithmetic, you know, plus minus etc this is mansplaining now i'm mansplaining. thank you <laughs> you're welcome yeah you're welcome so arithmetic see you can... my, my, my my point is is that everybody knows the calculus it's like oh calculus right but actually calculus is far more uh complicated or not far more it's it's just more complicated D D is a complicated it's the most popular but it's actually a very complicated role-playing game. Like when it comes to math, very mathy. It's just everybody knows about it because there's a movie or two or three, which we only well, mentioned the one. I also think the fact that it got like screamed about for being satanic or whatever during the satanic panic helped kind of solidify it in a way that other yep. stuff, it got targeted for whatever reason. So, so then it becomes infamous. So in, in the event you play D&D, what kind of character do you want to play? Well, first saying that I wouldn't know all the character. I mean, I hear people talking about it all the time, so I've kind of absorbed Lev Bard and all this stuff. But so I have no full idea of what's available. But I would probably lean toward elves if that's a possibility, just because. Okay. Uh, I started so out with in, So in the D&D, uh, do you mind if I go into a little bit of mechanics really quick? Yeah. Okay. And you've never played one. Explain to me because I don't know it. <laughs> and and you you've never played one of these games, right? Not like that, no. Okay. Okay. Ken probably <laughs> knows where I'm going with this. Oh no. I would like you to write down. I'd like you to indeed. I'd like you to write down or perhaps remember of your character. Okay. Your current character, it's an elf, yes? Like a Tolkien-esque elf, 
Yeah. I mean, I say that, but then usually if there's some sort of like mystic, semi-evil, magical woman, then that's what that's what I or yeah, yeah, you you can do that. Semi-magical. I kind of want the leaning toward the evil a little bit. Is how I like to. Indeed, indeed. Listen, this is bread and butter. Are you a Noldor? Or are you a Teleri? <laughs> or what's the other one? I'm trying my I'm I'm stretching my Tolkien lore. Are you are one you of the a good elf or a bad elf? No, these are not the good <laughs> elves in battle. <laughs> are you are you one of the elves? We're gonna talk Tolkien. Are you one of the elves? I'm gonna piss everybody off, who follows Galadriel, right? Against the Valar. Against the Valar, excuse me. You stay in Middle Earth. Or do you stay in the Grey Havens? Hmm. Oh, what do you do? Good question. Um, so they go yeah. to Middle Earth. Chat, correct me if I'm wrong. They go to Middle Earth against the gods, Vala, uh, because basically they want to help out against Morgoth. Okay? Morgoth is you fucking everything that. up. Pre, pre uh, or Melkor, or... Melkor, the bad, the super bad oh, guy. Yeah, yeah uh, Sauron's boss is fucking everything up. And I want to say Galadriel and the rest of them go to Middle Earth because they're like, oh, we got to like fight that fight or something. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Someone tried well, they, I Are you one were... of the people that go against the gods? You're one of the people that stay at home. Oh, man. Uh, I admit that I have a little of the. I would never have been surprised to be diagnosed with ODD, oppositional defiance disorder. So admittedly, I would probably have been the one who didn't listen to what I was supposed to do. If All that right. tells you what you need to know. If you had to, <laughs> if like, you had to you distill that. I can't do a thing? <laughs> if, you had it, if you had to distill that down to a word or a phrase, what would it be? I mean, rebellious seems... Okay, rebellious. That's your first trait. Okay. That's your first trait. Right. All right. Uh, who you are? You're an elf. What does that mean? If you had to hmm. distill it down, it always and, uh... seemed a little bit wiser. Okay. So there's your second trait. Now I need something about um, what kind of weapon would you, would you have? Oh, I like something large and sharp. <laughs> I don't want just a sword. Like, I'm trying to think of the term for something that I'm thinking of, but... Um, Ken, can you help? Uh, I just think of it, that sickle, you know, or the... Yeah, something the, with reach. Like a scythe? The scythe? Yeah. Like a big-ass scythe for, like, cutting a big wheat? big-ass one, though. Yeah. yeah. Like out of Final Fantasy? Like some good damage. That's, okay. that's what I wanted to Okay. Do. What kind of, what kind of uh, protection would you wear? You could wear anything. This is a game that so this could be, could be like anything. magic that you're using. No, it could be anything. Like a shield. It could be. Armor. It could be anything. You could have space marine armor on it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Um, I would want. I would want some sort of magical. I have sensory issues. I definitely would not be able to wear some armor <laughs> without getting really annoyed. No chainmail. Give me chainmail. Would you have tattoos, or would you have some I sort do of have trinkets? Tattoos. I see. So maybe some like magic rune tattoos or something. Runic tattoos. I'm good with runic tattoos. Uh, so Buck Mud also introduced me to the novel series by Rachel Weiss and Tracy Hickman, I believe. Uh, Deathgate. 
If you haven't read it, it's super fantasy. It's very good. Back in like the 80s or 90s, um, Death Gate. It, it's, I don't want to, I'm an author, but there are better authors. Oh, you're fine. I, I read it. I read it very young. Good. If you want to check it out, it's good. It's really good. Anyway, they had they got runic tattoos. Anyway, magical tattoos. So, let's say you're on a ship. Hey Ken, uh, give me a description of this ship in ten seconds or less. A creaky wooden boat that has lots of holes in it and is barely floating. All right. Jesus. So it's on the ocean. It's good, good ship. Uh, Shannon, who's on the ship with you in 10 seconds? Who's on the ship with me in 10 seconds? Seven, the Lord. Six. Oh, God. God Almighty is on the ship. Oh! Oh, God. Beard no. uh, <laughs> and everything. No. Uh, who's on the ship with you? I would say, like, Eight. the same folks as I am. Yeah, so you have a whole bunch of where you're losing your <laughs> fey people. You got some fey people. You're on this sinking ship. We're gonna call it nighttime, and the ship is sinking. Are you near land or not? This is when a die roll might be implied or uh, applied. Okay, so we'll do a die roll, sort of random chance. Let's say the die is rolled. Tell me a number between one and ten. Seven. Okay, so that was high, and I picked low in my brain. Turns out it's nighttime. You're nowhere near land. You're all probably going to drown. I think I have gills. <laughs> yeah, okay, indeed. So the third trait, let's say you have gills. Boom. But the rest of your friends don't. And there's how many of them? Tell me a number between 1 and 10. Ken? 7. Okay, there's 70 of you. Whoa. They're all going to fucking die, except for you. So, the action is on you. Maybe there was a creak in the night, an explosion. You all hit some sort of rock. Water is flooding in to this ship. 70 people strong. You have all age ranges. It's dark. You can't see in the dark. You know that you're going to a distant land, maybe to... Uh, uh, join up with uh, a colony. Uh, maybe there's a war effort that you specifically are are going to join up with. But you're in the middle of the fucking ocean. Action's on you. What do you do? You have these three traits. Do you remember them? One has to do with rebellious. you being an elf, rebellious. One has to do with you being wise. Wise. And then wise one has to do And then? Uh oh, what was my third? I have magic. Oh, gills. Gills. Okay. I have gills. What do you do <laughs> now? The idea of what you do is, what is the intention? What? Is, how do you want to affect the fiction? You get to change okay, the fiction. So, like, if my goal was we're sinking and there's seventy people, and I would like to save the ones that I can save, that would be yep. the that would be where I would be going. Next. And then the way you go about that, the stepping off off point is the trait you bid. Okay. And you got three traits right now. So in this case, like I get, I have gills, but I feel like that only goes so far and I'd be having to use my brain to figure out the wise part. You are figure correct. out how I do the next part. But you only, you only need one bid to accomplish this goal. So what's it going to be? You got three traits. Which one does it start with? 
and we run from that. Be going with the with the wise. I'm gonna figure out. I'm gonna noodle it. Okay. What do you do? Figure out a way to save as many people as possible. This is your fiction. You have bid wise. You are wise. So how does the fiction bend to your? I feel like it's cheap to introduce new magical things. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not. Oh, nope. see, that's how it counters fiction right there. Like you didn't introduce it earlier. You don't get to have it. This is the prologue. Go. Yeah. I would want to figure out a way to fix the ship because I can't influence the ocean. So what would it be? I you can't influence I, the ocean? You're fucking elf. Of, well, I can't. You got okay. gills. What the fuck? It's an option. Yeah, right. You <laughs> swim in the water. I'm going to call my, my half guild brother in. And <laughs> clearly, clearly know <laughs> and about I'm the ocean. To, right. So there is some aspect of me that is from the ocean. And so I'm going to call out for help. How do you do it? I am going You're to in the hold. Telepathic. Oh, I feel like I would have to like call out like a tune that speaks to them. Tell us. I mean, tell you. <laughs> yep. I call so out, like, what tell does your character do? Them. You look around, there's 60, 60 some odd, because there's crew. There's 60 some odd people down in this hold who are sort of waking up as the water's as rushing in. They look to you. As your runic tattoos are alighting, because, you know, your gills are going and shit. That's right. And so I call out in the language of those people and my, of you my do. people. And it brings them, right? It resounds through the ocean and it brings yep. those who are the closest. And they come and they help to shore up the ship. I, <laughs> they have their, they have this great seaweed. And they start plugging it into the holes, and <laughs> <laughs> and then we can then we're able to start bailing. And this so this is exactly the way that this is exactly the way that a game like this works. Now gotcha. we are playing Dreadlore right now. That is literally Dreadlore. Now where dice would come in is I would I as the arbiter, as the game master or referee, I would say okay, well let's how far away are your brethren? Sistrin and such. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's, you got to roll dice and the number you get will determine how long it takes for them to come. So then you have to deal with things until then. Or perhaps I could say, okay, well, you're pretty far. Are you able to reach them? Or we maybe could just go with a bid and say, oh, you got, you, you're, you're this person. Well, why do you matter? Why are they listening yeah. to you? Why would they listen to you? Because, you know, you're a little chaotic. You, you bid, yeah, you bid wiser and you started to sing this enchanting song. I mean, so that that projected your voice beyond just the, the edges of the ship. Maybe that projected, you know, a nearby ship that was in your company to come along or something like that. Like you're a chaotic being. Maybe you're le you have left since this is the prologue. I'm going to say. You're kind of like Ariel from The Little Mermaid. You, your father or your, your mother, whomever was in charge, didn't want you to be on this trip. Right. So why are they listening to you? Are you you're, you're calling for help, right? Yeah. And that's where we go. So maybe there's dice rolls. Maybe there's not. And we build from that and then we keep on going. So that's how a game like yeah. this works. Now in D&D, it, it works a little different. It works like you're a certain class, uh, you're an archetype is a better word for it. So perhaps you're a warrior or a mage, wizard, or uh, 
a bard or whatever. And so that's going to dictate what your numbers are and how high you need to roll. Gotcha. So you have a predetermined... We would love for you to play in one of our games. Oh, I see. Okay. That would be fun. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Very narrative-based. It's interesting to play... So Dreadlore is very much for, uh, as I'm going to shamelessly plug, it's very much for creatives. It's interesting to play with someone who is a creative because the way that your brain immediately goes is different than the way other people do. Yeah, it's, like the beauty of pretty... a prompt being thrown out and write it to a room full of writers every story it will be yeah. different from the same prompt. It's yeah. an adjective-based rules light game basically it gives you hints really of, of where where to take where to take these characters i i probably had 20 because i've been playing this uh for a while i had like 20 different ideas of of where i i i could go with this uh uh just based off of that little because it's a yes ending you know it's like if i was the captain of the ship nighttime and it was sinking i would bid my creaky wooden ship to maybe uh, because I was the captain, I would make it list over to one side where the whole holes are less, you know, and it, it, it might be able to, or, or, you know, have all the elves move to one side and it tilts the ship. <laughs> I don't know if it works like that, but that's, that's where <laughs> a role, yeah, that's where a role would, would, and I like the idea of being able to sing because you're this mystical creature, uh, and you know, water is 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 very transductive. Um, you know, elves, uh, whales sing in water, and and their voice can travel, you know, right, quite a ways. So, who is there, and it, there's one person who runs this in a similar way to D and D, though. So there's one person whose job it is to like throw out and get like yeah. people's feet out from under them. And yeah, she she is the arbiter. <laughs> oh. No, literally in so the in book. The book I... Yeah. So in the book, the arbiter is a woman, <clears throat> which was which was a choice. Uh, which is explained in the book. The long and the short of it is this. To answer your question, in these kinds of games, there is a referee. And this person is going to play all of the non-player characters or the antagonists. They're going to set up the world and they're going to be, depending on the rules, um, the referee. The, the the person who says, okay, well, this rule will apply. This one won't. This is how we're going to mess with the situation, etc. You know, for example, if, if you're on an airship, right? Well, what are the physics of an airship? You know, how fast are you really moving? If you're moving as fast as, you know, a, a jet plane, well, how are you breathing? Right? Because the wind is moving pretty fast by you like there's a lot of these physics and you're always going to have a player who's like a physicist yeah. he was like well actually hold on a second if you banked <laughs> and it's like you know smiling. i love that mode it's like being that a con panelist there's always somebody in the audience who's like i know exactly everything about the thing you just said and you're like exactly <laughs> and so it's important to have oh this is where the bucks the buck stops 
a person who says, yeah, 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 sure. There's also magic in this game. So physics will work a little bit different on this, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it's the crystals. The crystals allow for the crystals. It's the crystals. (laughs) They allow for it. I I think the first uh, one of the first um, Tim Roberts uh, led a game that I played that had airships in it. And I don't think we had any problem breathing. No, well, you, you, you can ignore it. It's like when, when the adventuring party goes into the dungeon and everyone's doing shit and you're like attacking shit and, you know, opening up the chests of gold and such. And then some asshole is like, how are we seeing? <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. How do, aren't we in a, aren't we in the earth? Oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> Where's the light? Just a second. From? How are you carrying so many weapons? Yeah. And, yeah. Okay, gonna, so this is a question. <laughs> this is a question I got for you, Shannon. <laughs> In the world, respecting the rule of that world. Right? So you have a yeah. horror element. There's usually a fantastic element too, right? Mm-hmm. How do you make sure to to respect the rules that you've laid down? And how do you lay down those rules anyway? Yeah, so that's something to consider, right? Because uh, look at, we kind of had set rules for vampires, right? To use one Mm. that I think everybody's going to be familiar with. Right, they they sparkle in sunlight. Oh, God. (laughs) Not the sparkly (laughs) vampires. Okay. But... (laughs) <laughs> That's the thing. If you break it, you have to find a way through the telling, right? To let people know you've broken that rule and that they expect that rule to be different. Because otherwise, I've wa- and I can't think of an example, but like I've watched things with vampires and I'm like, well, that's not the rule. And you didn't establish that that rule was different in this world. And that's a failure on the part of the person who created it, right? Because if there is a trope that is steadfast, and you have to be familiar with it. If you're and if you're writing in a world, you probably are familiar with those tropes mm. and rule, rules, right? Just kind of the if you write, you should also be a reader. Mm. You kind of know the rules. You kind of know how stuff works because you have also experienced that from other people of varying skill sets and all of that. So yeah, uh, you need to know what your rules are kind of going in. And if you hit one that you didn't consider then you need to consider what the expectations of the reader or watcher or whatever you're creating are and figure out, because if that's something that you needed to establish, then you have to go back and establish something about that. You have to establish that rule break. Mm. Because otherwise people are going to come in assuming there are certain rules and it's frustrating if those get broken and you don't understand why, basically. Right. You start losing faith in the fiction. Yes. That's something as a storyteller, and when I say that an SP is called, you know, because we're creative about it in role-playing games, an ST, a DM is a dungeon master. That's a that's a trademarked uh, term. Yeah, they'll, anyway, they'll come after. They'll find you if you say it again. They'll get you, man. So, as an arbiter in Dreadlore, I think it's it's something to always be conscious of. Your your audience, if you're live streaming, is whomever decides to fall upon your podcast, but your other audience are your players. And there's definitely moments in like the current game that I'm running. It's a horror investigation game. Ooh. 
And unfortunately, our, our buddy Drizzle is not on here. He's, he's our horror guy. We ask him about horror. He does haunts and that kind of stuff. Uh, but there are times that the, the cast, including Ken, will be like totally on board. And they're like, oh, yeah, that monster. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But there's moments where they're like, wait a minute. Are you just trying to fuck with us? Are you breaking your own rules? And it's a big no-no. It's a big, it takes everybody out of the fiction. Sure. And I think in a book, you probably throw away the book. You're like, that. Yeah. yeah. You're like, if like, you did this, what else are you going to do? Right. Reading, right. reading Stephen King was always tough for me because I just hate the way he writes. Like, it just, oh. I hate it. Personal thing. Like yeah. the voice of the story or the voice of the stories, his story, like his technique. And, and it makes sense because he writes so much. I just can't get into it because it's just like, come on, this is it. This is like, it's like doing my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. That's the thing you can't overcome, right? Like you yeah, will never just, like, I mean, I don't care what happens in the story. I can't do it. Like I, I like, I like Asimov. I think that, that, you know, he writes well, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'd like... Oh, but he's uh, not a horror writer. Well, I mean, robots are terrifying. He was my intro to sci-fi, too. So, of course, sure. iRobot is the one that I think probably brings... That's the that is the one. Kind of Did you see the film? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, it existed. Yeah. yeah. It was not like... It was not even... It, is it, That's not a story... <clears throat> no, they, they created book. Will Smith's character because they needed that character. Right. So it, it drives me nuts when they do that. I'm like, make this a standalone and don't make it belonging to something that already has like a property and a fan base. And then you probably yeah. would be just fine with it. Yeah, they should like called Star it Wars. Mean, mean Robots. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Star Wars. You mean like Star Wars or Star Trek Discovery or any of the fucking anyway? No, but a lot but of you're, the things where they shoot themselves in the foot from. Here's the th here's the thing. They they are it's a it's it's a multifaceted thing. Why would I make a movie called Star Place that no one's gonna watch? When I could be like, wait a minute, I could get all these motherfuckers who will dress up and they will think that Daisy Ridley is hot. We can get them for at least two. Come on. You know, and there's the whole Gen Z, whatever previous then that's coming up. They'll watch it. It's a, it's a money. I know it's, it's not good. storytelling. Here's your marketing aspect is, do I want to get those first timers that come in? And give me all their money to begin with because it's a property that exists and then they loathe me, but they already gave me their money, so I don't care. <laughs> or do I want an ongoing fan base to to love what I created? And I mean, no matter what, somebody's going to hate it if it's there's an established base. But Truth. somebody's Truth. going to be mad about what you do. <clears throat> I'm watching. People argue about like DC and Marvel who actually have read all the comics because it, that's when it really gets to the nitty gritty there. Oh yeah. yeah, it's painful. And um, I, I can I confuse DC and Marvel all the time to the chagrin of no one. <laughs> do uh do you, I I think we should uh wrap up in the next what yeah. five minutes or so? 
Yeah. Uh, do you, <laughs> do you have any kind of last, last thoughts uh, that, that you want to get out there before we uh, um, skedaddle? Man, we talked do about other things stuff. than podcast. <laughs> I mean, is there other things than podcast? I mean, I don't I don't even know. All we do is podcast. Do you, do you have uh, OK? Like, is there an attention to like horror that you want to see other writers or authors is there is there a detail that that you think is missing that's something that's missing i will say though to open your mind and broaden your horizons when it comes to horror instead of following one niche or another because there's a lot of great stuff out there that doesn't fall under this was written like a stephen king book or whatever else and there are a lot of definitions of horror so just quit sticking it in a box is what I would say. And you're going to find a wealth of other stuff that you're going to enjoy. That would be a final thought. And when that. should we expect not this book, but the sequel to this book? Oh, man. I would <laughs> say probably next year. Oh, so, shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, in yeah. the event you need audiobook people, uh -huh. I am in Los Angeles, and there's a lot of people I know uh, who would love to do it. So, just so you know, don't get AI to do it. Oh my God! I will. Don't, don't worry, I will not. AI will not write for me. Yeah. No, also, if you, if you need, will not create my art, and it will not speak for me in audiobook form. So. If you need, if you need any kind of uh, media production, there's this. There's this one company called. Replays. <laughs> yeah, oh, couch media. Media. <laughs> media. On the top of the show. <laughs> uh, Shannon Lawrence, thank you very much for being on. I am going to ask you one more question, though. Do it. Two more. One, what were you drinking tonight in that massive mug of yours? Uh, it's boring, though. It's just water. Listen, water. I'll go great. drink water's after healthy. this. I'm going I'm to get no. <laughs> I gotta have my margarita to enjoy. No, it's just a 100 ounces of water right there. Goddamn. Uh, second, like and this this will throw it out. Oh my god. And <laughs> uh, any aphorism you might have, or saying, or quote that you want to make up or recount. Uh. Like a cheers. Cheers. Ah, uh, go forward and scare people. Let's do that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Uh, I've got two. Write about what you know. Write what you know is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a Shannon Lawrence, and then and then go forth and scare people. <laughs> All right. I like that. Thank you very much for joining us. Famous final words. <laughs> is the is the right? What you know is bullshit. That's my <laughs> last words. <laughs> it 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 has been a pleasure. You've been one of the the, the more uh, creative and interesting uh, people that we've had on here, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and, and anything. You, um... Uh, might be our first female guest, so I don't know. Someone, yeah, yeah you're right. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so gotta mix oh. it up a little bit. Gotta mix it up a little bit. I mean, I like, right. I like, I like people. I like people from around the world. And you are not the first person who has native uh, First Nation uh, um, heritage. Awesome. On our podcast. Who was the other one? Who do you think? Uh, I have no idea who. <laughs> uh, Jazzy Cabbage. Oh, Jazzy. Yeah, if you like if you like video games and that, Jazzy is crazy. He he's a or they are Jazzy a crazy Cabbage. person. They are crazy, crazy, crazy person. Always streaming, always kicking ass, and such. Good. good All right, stuff. we out. Thank yeah, you very much. Uh, thank you for being a part of this uh, presentation podcast that we do every Thursday. Uh, every Thursday. Thank you to our Patreon members. Uh, please join nice. or consider joining our Patreon uh, .com slash Dreadlore. Thanks, Tim uh, Roberts, Daniel Hulker, Nostalgia, and oh. Natalia. Oh, piece of shit. Line, uh, production by Couchfire Media. Natalia Klein. As well as art and Trois Riblay Productions. Couchfire uh, Media brings cool. a lot of the content. Yeah, Trois Riblay. And madness. And all of the joy. Those guys. That we are experiencing. Uh, until next Monday. Monday. Yeah, for Monday, you gotta, Monday. You join the the Red Rit next. The it's not Red the Red Rit. It's into space. It into space. Uh, this has been a production of Geeky Gamer Podcast. Geeky Gamer Podcast. Bye. Thank you, Shannon Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon Lawrence.